Today's chat is brought to you by the support of our Twitch subscribers. Through the patronage that you provide the Focus Fire chat team through the Twitch platform, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcasts as well as the game streams, website, and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a subscriber of the FFC and gaining access to some of the exclusive features in the Discord server, please be sure to visit our Twitch account and click on the subscribe button. If you're an Amazon Prime member, remember that you do have a free subscription to Twitch every month that can be used for this. And for those of you who are already subscribers, thank you again for your generosity. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome back for episode 125 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on March 16th, 2018, over on twitch.tv slash Chat. Big shout out to our live chat here. Thank you so much for joining us for another evening back in the tower. This is your host, Blue Crew 86 Alongside me, we have the master of our social media, the one and only green-eyed music lover. Green, I hope you're doing well, or I'm pretty sure you're looking forward to tonight's chat, but can I get a confirmation on that? I have been hitting my head up against a wall with this subject just because it's the subject. Um, I mean, there's gravitational waves. And- yeah, the science part has been awesome. <laughs> I may have tweeted out like my amazing, immense appreciation to the Destiny writers for writing or at least suggesting a lot of possible scientific tie-ins to all of destiny but like in particular this group because i went down a rabbit hole and i'm gonna butt heads with beer tonight and it's gonna be fine and it's gonna be fun and it's gonna be awesome and we're gonna get that going. depends on your definition of fine <laughs> i was i was hey, about to I'll, say I'll does that her... depend on your definition of head because yeah. you can still butt oh something. god <laughs> is phrasing still a thing huh? is phrasing still a thing yeah i think phrasing um, is still <laughs> i was gonna say green actually well she didn't really well indirectly encouraged me to go find a TED talk about gravitational waves and supermassive black holes. So I will tip my hat to that on that. You did succeed there. These are, these are good things to be. The universe is still expanding. And I, and I now know more about, I forgot what it's called, but it's confirmed. And I learned about the Goldilocks zone and all of the star. And it's just my, I was like, Oh, this is interesting. And I'll probably forget it before tonight's podcast, which I pretty much did. Um, mm-hmm. But I remember gravitational waves because that was a really fascinating way of like their their exploration. It's like never even thought about using that. But anyways, mm-hmm. we also have with us the grizzly bearded cultivator of Spinfoil himself, Beard Grizzly. Beard, how are you doing tonight? Um, sober. That's given this week i i'm so sorry yep <laughs> if your if your week no. has been anything like mine <laughs> or the, any of us like it seems like everybody's having a rough time this week i yeah. i honestly do feel like uh no, nobody i know is that exactly a, an exceptional week so to anybody else out that's out there that's had a great week um I'm going to rain on your parade a little bit and just say <laughs> stop. Uh, no, stop. That's, 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 that's not true. Um, no. you're, you're lucky. You're luckier than like most of the people that I know at that point, um, which, you know, doesn't really say too much. It, it's just a matter that, Hey, 
I'm glad you're having a good week mm-hmm. because at least somebody is. Someone needs to. Yes. Please, seriously. please let I'm us know. It, just... Please let us know if you're having a good week because I, I know for those comment sections with <laughs> nothing but good stuff. Please. Yay. <laughs> that would be amazing. Like, oh my god, guys. So yeah. yeah seriously. Did, that would be. That would make my next week mm-hmm. start so much more bearable. Oh man, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. Ours is just man. My week's just been. It's just been crazy busy. Is the thing, and I know most of, mm-hmm. most of our guy, most of the team that's been in the Discord has probably noticed that I've you know not been in Discord, and that's because pretty much every time I'm up, thankfully my my little one is down with his grandparents in uh, in the south on their ranch. So this week has been literally one of the busiest weeks, and we don't have to worry about having a four year old. So it's been actually kind of mm-hmm. nice not having to deal with that on top of everything else so but yes oh man um well last week we did ask what everyone thought the horse meant in the third spire and i'm pretty sure green's got some really good responses in so i'm going to hand it over to her for those so i sent it out to the twitterverse the discord verse i did kind of maybe slipped it into Ishtar Collective's Discord as well, just to kind of see what those guys had to say. And we had a few responses that I thought were actually kind of nice and thoughtful. First one was from Chris Twin, at Chris Twin on Twitter, and he said, the horse equals freedom without restraint, because it just out of the safe, it's just out of the safe area. I believe that means the freedom amongst the stars is just out of reach. There will always be something stopping you. Or the nine have found a, I'm thinking that's a horse instead of a chicken looking at you, Cade. Yeah, he's using emojis, so it's a little hard. Um, also, by the way, just a side note, I don't remember who said this, but I swear to God, somebody tweeted at me that the um, the reason there's a giant celestial horse is because the D- Destiny Bungie writers hate Justin. And they heard how much he hates horses that may have been Veru and discord actually no, Ver- Veru was talking about the the nine are the horse people that's what it was yeah <laughs> just it's like oh my god <laughs> you guys oh. you guys uh snapshot said it's a possible trojan horse or maybe odin's horse and then a last minute entry from blaze he thought either it's a, sign, a signpost, Dark Horse Nebula, which mm. we're going to get into probably a little yeah. bit later because that was mentioned mm. in a video we're going to talk about, or something to do with the constellation Equilus, which actually I was looking up earlier, or a mm. Greek mythology where the nine muses loved Pegasus so much, Zeus placed him in the sky as a constellation when he died. So these are all things I want to touch on later when we get a little bit more into that discussion because. That is exactly where my mind went. So I'm glad I'm not the only one on that one. But yeah, those were some really good responses for that. Yeah, and the other the other thing for the horse too is also the cultural, like historical significance uh, as a symbol that the horse represents. You know, I think uh, the first one that you said had kind of was going along the sign lines of the freedom without restraint, which is a very popular uh, translation of the horse, uh, very general symbol has always been like freedom and power. 
Um, but the other thing that a lot of times you see is with like white horses or like the color of the horses and also the, the way that the horse is portrayed. So like, um, dream analysis and stuff like that. Um, the, 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 if the horse is like free or if the horse is pinned or if the horse is a black horse or a white horse, you know, or any variation of those that can mean different things, depending on who you're talking to for the analysis. And so like, for, for instance, native Americans, they view the horse as a symbol of power and war. And that's actually because of the historical uh, significance that the horse played within their, their lives their daily lives to own a horse was seen as a, a, a status of or status symbol. Um, and then actually just historically, one of the things about horses in general is that it's actually argued that as, as animals, um, the, the fact is, is that horses are one of, if not the most influential animals in the, in the spread of human civilization. Uh, they're, they are significantly important in getting human civilization to disperse. And without that particular animal, it it's argued that we would have, I mean, not that we wouldn't have spread out as we have, but it would have been significantly slower. Um, you can, you can see this in, for instance, for Rome, uh, you know, this, this kind of is a throwback, but Rome designed the road to be designed around a chariot, which is a horse drawn, uh, carriage. And that then today, you even see that today in the development of cars. So the, the size of our cars today are all ascribed back to the size of those original roads, because when you're in Europe, there was just those roads. Those roads were designed and they weren't really, there was not a lot of space to tear those roads up and rebuild. So they just kept building on top of them. And then that was all, that was all designed to have enough room for two chariots to go past each other. Well, when they redesigned the roads, they had to build the cars to fit those roads. And, you know, it's just, it's like the chain is just really kind of cool to follow what that stuff um, and speaking of Rome, uh, Romans viewed the horses as another, again, as a war figure. Uh, that's because again, chariots, they connected the horse to Mars, who was Ares. Um, and then there, there's, you know, I know if, if I remember correctly, the horse in the third spire, there's only one, but it is worth noting that in a lot of folklore, if you see horses as gathering together and clumping together, that's usually a sign of a storm coming, which actually is his, uh, um, scientifically that's, pretty accurate. Yeah, because as horse, well as cows, cows, yep, cows, sheep, any any domesticated, well, not even domesticated, any like herd prey animals will do that, and that's and that's simply because in in the case of a storm, if you think about it, the more they can get together, the more protection that the whole group gets. Um, right. cow, cows even have like, you know, I know how everyone makes fun of cows for being really stupid, but cows actually have this really ingenious system for really bad storms in which they actually rotate. Um, if you ever see a big herd of cattle, 
I, I know this is weird, but watch them in if it's a big storm because they will actually rotate. So the the cattle that are on the outside of the group will slowly make their way into the inside of the group and the cattle on the inside of the group will slowly rotate out. And basically what that does, especially in snowstorms, what that does is it allows them to all maintain that group warmth and also no one none of their herd freezes. So it's really kind of an ingenious little thing. Um and then just finally, the symbolic of the spirit of the horse is, again, that freedom. Um, that That's usually seen in that a horse is perceived as an animal that serves but cannot be fully tamed. Um, you, you hear that a lot with horses that are broken uh, and all that. But horses don't – like they're, they're always going to be their own animal. You know, they're you can, definitely you can, their own personality. Right. And, I mean – Having grown up with horses, I can I can attest that that is a very accurate statement. You can have the best behaved horse in the world, and every every animal has a trigger. And the thing with a horse is that they're just so big. Um, and so a horse, you can tame it, you can you can train it, you can even break it if you really you know want to go down that path. But you'll never fully own it. And that's where that kind of that idea of freedom without restraint kind of comes from. Hmm. You could be a miniature horse person. It could be. A... <sighs> I See, Blue horses. may have had Blue had to deal with larger horses, which we had larger horses. No, too, we had we had miniature I... horses, but like okay. my my frustration for miniature horses comes solely from my profession Chewing. as a farrier. Yeah, mm-hmm. because miniature horses, I'm, I'm sorry, miniature horses are the biggest. Buttheads? Yeah, let's go with that word. Like, That's, they yeah. just, oh Because I know which word you're going to use. Gosh, yeah. It just, I love my minis. I'm oh. a small person, guys. Well, I'm a short person, guys. I love minis. I don't have them anymore, but yeah. I mean, like, and I we, had, this we, had, we had a mini who was, like, a small, or, well, a large dog. Like, and he mm-hmm. was a great horse. But even he, like, like, I'm not a super big person. I'm not, like, super tall or anything. But, like, when you're shooing a horse, it's already kind of awkward. And then if you have a horse that's half the size of a normal horse, it's, like, even worse. And then, on top of that, if you have the horse... That's half the size of a normal horse and has the attitude of an animal that's like three times the size or it thinks mm-hmm. it's three times the size. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say. It's like a chihuahua horse. Oh, it's a, it's the chihuahua it, It's like if you ever get kicked by a mini, it's not that, the, it, it's not that it like hurts because of the amount of force. It hurts because they're like getting hit with small knives. Their feet, are so, their feet are so tiny and they're so sharp and they're so fast. <laughs> they're evil. Like, no, I not. kind of, I kind of agree with Justin on that one. Like, there, there, there is a little bit of maliciousness in miniature horses. Well, yeah, you have to defend yourself as a short yeah, being. As, as chat, yes, the hor- miniature horses by far have a Napoleon complex. Like, they, oh yes, oh my gosh, they have such a Napoleon complex. But mm-hmm. oh man, okay, let's see. So that all being said. What are, you, what are we thinking? Oh, oh, you're you're gonna you're wanting to cause a, a literal war. Oh yes. Okay. Yes, I do. I want to do something that's just gonna get people Riled just kind of worked up a little bit. All right. So 
I don't, yeah, I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to know. I don't want to announce this one, but I will. So the next week's poll is going to be who is the best faction leader? Or let me, let me rephrase. Who is the best faction representative? Because to be fair, we don't know. We don't know if they're the leaders, but who is the best faction rep? So that being the reps that are in the tower. I think you wanted to word that as who is the best faction rep and why is it Lakshmi too? (laughs) (laughs) I gotta, I gotta, look, I gotta, I gotta go along with these things. uh, You know, Who is the who is the best warlock and why is it Olin Tan? You know, I gotta I gotta keep up with all of this, all right? I'm just curious to see what kind of shenanigans it will cause on Twitter because oh my gosh. I know Hiko's going to jump on board. Oh yeah. If Hideo wins, there will be riots in the streets. Hey, this I might am be a just way putting it out there now. To finally win something in the faction wars. <laughs> oh, what's, what's that? You want me to throw you off the tower? You're pretty close to it. <laughs> I'm going to get such hate mail for that one. It's a fine. It's a fine. <sighs> I can't look. I can't. I cannot legitimately help it that everybody that plays Future War Cult has a life. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, you heard me. <laughs> really? You heard me. I Mr. There. Monster Hunter. Mm-hmm. Mr. Look, Monster oh, Hunter. I mean, oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. No, you don't get to pull that one. No, you don't. Hey, I can't help that we're loyal. <laughs> I love I love that personal theory of yours. Yes. Oh, man. That's All right. No, so no be, be sure to... <laughs> Chat, is, Chat's all angry already. It is. Oh. It is all in love. Guys. Oh man! It is all in mm-hmm, love. Yeah. So yeah, definitely keep an eye out on Twitter for that one, and be sure to sound off and let us know your thoughts. Um, as or, well as retweet know, it. As well or, as retweet you know, it. Or, or you know, hide and stay on yeah. the rock because <laughs> get, get, under, get, get under a rock. Now, now I have a picture of the. Have you, you guys have seen Wally when the ship's yes. landing and Wally's like and digging to get under the yeah. ground? That's that's the that's mental image I just saw. Uh, they have pizza plants. How are you sad? Because of everybody who's got their like personal floating device. Well, I want my personal floating device too. So no, no. <laughs> oh man! Well. Going forward, <laughs> I know we're looking forward to diving into this discussion. Um, so let's run through our standard intro notes real quick, and then we'll get right into it. Our topic for this week's chat is going to be a look at the nine. Before we jump into that, however, I do have a few housekeeping notes to run through. In our last chat, we discussed warlocks. If you ever miss an episode and would like to catch up, please be sure to check out the new FocusFireChat.com for archives, articles, and links to the other aspects of Focus Fire Chat. If you don't mind, please rate and, if you can, review the show on iTunes, Podbeans, or whichever podcasting app you use to enjoy podcasts. Reviews in particular are extremely helpful as they help us show up on charts, and that helps others find the FFC community. To those of you who have already taken the time to leave us a review, thank you again. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. 
This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Friday at around 10 p.m. Central, we get together to stream a recap for the previous week's chat for those who were unable to participate. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network, links of which can be found in our show notes or on our website. Podcasts that are focused on Destiny include Guardian Radio, the first and longest-running Destiny podcast on the net, Guardian One, which is a Destiny group dedicated to Guardians helping Guardians and discussing current Destiny news and happenings, Ghost and Echoes, which is a collection of the Destiny audio grimoire from Destiny 1, and the network's newest edition, This Guardian Life, which is a podcast from the casual Guardian's perspective that highlights all Guardians, large and small. We do also have a non-Destiny-focused podcast, The Enthusiast Life, which is a podcast that discusses a wide range of fun topics from within the entertainment world. Our next chat is going to be a discussion on the Faction Wars, so be sure to weigh in on the poll this weekend to let us know which topic you would like to discuss after that. Links to that poll can be found on either Twitter, at FocusFireChat, or within our Discord server. I asked Green to put together a high-level summary of tonight's topic, and this is what she had to say. You are not like the others. You hunger for knowledge. Where others are content in what they think is truth. Perhaps a shadow of truth will trickle into your mind's eye between the waking and mort. You wield cosmic power, and you carry the weight of the past around as a shell of armor. You don't understand. You know nothing. No one does. You chase it. Not as children chase the sun, but as a hunter stalks prey. Good. You think you found this place? It wants to be found. There are many like me, and so this place serves myriad purpose. Welcome, Guardian, to the place where everything dies and begins anew. Before we jump into the information and thoughts that the community had about the Nine, though, let's look at this week's Lost Lore. So this week, I think it's pretty, pretty appropriate to talk about one of our favorite vendors and his many, many lines, Zer. You guys, you guys think that's a, a good idea? I mean, favorite if Zer line? If it if it's anything like Green having split personalities over here, <laughs> Zer's got like seventeen or more. So <laughs> yeah, I think that fits perfectly. Hey. I can't do that voice live. I have to do that with some very special preparation. You know, I'm just going to start calling you Apple because you got to post process like an iPhone. <laughs> oh, so yeah. Do you guys want to just do uh, your favorite line from Zer? I don't know. What do you think? I asked I you first, so I get out of this conversation. <laughs> 
God, I mean, I mean, if we're gonna go favorite voice lines, then give me a second because I actually have to go <laughs> grab the book that I wrote down most of them in. Uh, I, I can actually think. In the show notes I know you did. He's, but he's I got to have ones that I like legitimately wrote oh. down that I like. Yeah, oh. he's got he's got yes. a bunch of them. Nice. I I actually needed to for a number of reasons. Um, one was the recent bits that I have uh, personally done on the nine, which spoilers, I'm probably going to be talking about that stuff all over again. Um, I'm okay with that. The video well, it's going to make everybody else mad, which I understand. Nobody actually really liked that. The, the, any of the theories I presented on that end, which whatever, uh, but <laughs> it did actually lead back. No one's, to, no one's salty about this. At all. <laughs> the only person that's salty about it is me because I think I did a lot of work behind it, but that that's video fine. came up out what? Five months ago. The, 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 the nine stuff. I did that. Um, I thought you did that a while ago. I did that in November, I think. It, it was a four-parter, because I had four parts to that whole thing, and then I uh, did a conglomerate, and I just kind of shoved mm-hmm. it all together, uh, and it, it worked out to be 45 minutes total that I had, so it, it was it was a lot. Yeah, let me let me get my book. You guys talk. <laughs> what, do you, what, what are your favorite voice lines, Blue? Um, I, most of them that I am really familiar with, honestly, are from Destiny 1. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm looking just real quick over, uh, Destinypedia has, mm, I believe most of them, if not all of them. It has a on. good chunk. Yeah, I know. Like I, getting idle dialogue from vendors, just FYI, for those who don't know, is a very time consuming, um, mm-hmm. hobby. I'm going to use that word. And I deeply appreciate everyone out there who does this because, oh my gosh, like it takes a long time to not only collect them, but also to transcribe them. So it, it's, it's really nice to be because honest for those. Repeat some of the same things over. Oh yeah. Over. Yeah. I mean and that, and like, there's some throwaway lines that are just like very, very, very rare. And uh, yeah, it's just, I'm just mm-hmm. de- I cannot fully voice my appreciation for those of you who, who are willing to just stand there and right. listen. It's- I mean, we that's how we got one of the most intriguing tie-ins for something we're going to talk about later from Bife's video. Mm-hmm. Though I mean, also also the Tower PA, which yeah. Pins is mentioning in chat right now, had some of uh, those were actually some of my favorite <laughs> those those lines. Things regarding Cade. Cade Cade yelling at you for stealing his sparrow, and then like on comms he finds it. Where he parked it. Wait, never mind. <laughs> Wait, never mind. I found it. Disregard. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Like, just looking real quick, um, Destiny 2 has has some interesting ones that are standing out to me. Um mm-hmm. like the the singular eye, so he says the nine's eye is still watching. Um mm-hmm. uh, well, one bring- of my my favorites is talking about the, and I can't remember it off the top of my head. And I know you posted the link, and I'm not opening it. It's um, okay. The, <laughs> the, the bit about you've you've done so much, but can you fight a planet? And mm-hmm. I'm just like, um, um, it's a newer one, isn't yeah, it? That's a you, yeah, yeah, it's from Destiny Two. You have fought everything else that entered this realm. Will you fight? Will you fight a planet? Mm-hmm. It's like, like a comet. 
Eh? Yeah, eh? really. Eh? Right. Um, maybe they maybe then, they should have watched my video months ago about you know <laughs> what they could have done with Comet. Might have been a better story. What? Hang on, <clears throat> I didn't say nothing. The uh, and then like he's he's mentioning again the dust. You know, again that was that was kind of a line from Destiny One. Um, yep. where he said, originally he said, we came up from the dust and burrowed into flesh for warmth and became something new. And then in mm-hmm. destiny two, he says the dust has commingled. The nine is the nine is forever changed. The, the, the way that he's phrasing things is really difficult with Zer because mm-hmm. Zer has a really odd, it, it's Cadence. not quite, yeah, it's not quite Yoda, but it it's like halfway there so i don't know if it's just him being zur or if it's like because when you say something is forever changed it's not like it's just you don't say the nine is forever changed you would say the nine are forever changed right if you're talking about individuals but if you say is that kind of seems to me at least to call out like oh no that's not a that's not a person or people that's a thing well, um, this also comes back to or a singular thing. Lines. Like, yeah. sorry, sorry. That's no, okay. He, um, uh, there, there's another couple lines that actually fall back to this though a little bit. With uh, in Destiny One, he says, "An end will come. We will be there." But then, almost exactly after I heard that line, he says, "An end is here." Mm-hmm. So I'm like, "Oh, well, I guess Destiny One's over already." <laughs> uh, it was. It, it was it it it's this like weird juxtapositioning of of uh, ideas, which kind of suggests that like is Zer's body fully within our time? Is there something else that's going on? He's a he's a wacky doodad of uh, of a of a bunch of cells. Uh, and my me. what's that? I said that reminds me of some of the other ones from D one because D one lines were really wacky. <laughs> Yeah. You must stop eating salted popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> well, that kind of wacky. I was thinking more of like. Sorry. Uh, Sorry. I feel a, no, you're good. I feel a great many consciousnesses yeah. and hanging on mine, and all of them are so small and lonely. Right. Like what? Yeah, Why can't was... you feel people's consciousness? Well, and then well, like his perception of the awoken. So, mm-hmm. which, okay, I didn't, and I know, Beard, you're going to love this one, is in direct conflict to what the stranger said about the Awoken, right? Right. Because the stranger doesn't like the Awoken, or she looks kind of down on this the Awoken because they refuse to choose. And then Zer's line is, the Awoken did not have a choice, we did. Right. So it's like, okay, whoa. <laughs> Which which side of the which side of the bar are we on here, guys? Did they not have a choice, or did they have a choice and they haven't chosen? Like, mm-hmm. I found that I find that one that that was a uh, Destiny one line as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, and referring back to some of the other cells as well, uh, some of the cells of this body began on this mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. How strange to return! And yeah, that one that's freaks a- me out. Well, and it it suggest, uh, brought up uh, a very interesting theory that I remember hearing about, uh, where it's questioned: one, how many different planets or systems does Zer like come from? Mm-hmm. How much of an amalgamation is he? Secondarily, it also makes me wonder. And I was actually just going to read this one too. 
bodies come and go, but the cells remember. That's my and if second they forget, favorite. The nine remember it for us. Yeah. Uh, that's that's another one that kind of suggests that Zer basically is here. And then after he is done seemingly playing his part from Friday through Monday, uh, he dissolves. And mm-hmm. then he pops back mm-hmm. again at another point. Uh, it's it's a very cute little theory to at least suggest that like his cells could be made up of even our friend from last week that decided to go ahead and get blown away, but is he, you still got something hanging around? I, there's one more from like D two that that just drives drives me insane as far as like the science theory. Mm-hmm. You, you're talking about popping in and out of. <laughs> And this area, the yeah. line that he says in D2, the helio sheath is not the only door into the system. Oh, well, yeah. Okay. But let's, so let's talk about that a little bit because mm-hmm. there's, there's a connection there to, to the other agent. Well, who's not really an agent. Who's more of an emissary, right? Emissary. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I think, I know this is kind of a weird time to segue out of i mean it we're lost lore this week is going to be kind of the entire episode the just just fyi guys like because the nine is kind of lost lore um mm-hmm. we were kind of joking about that before we got on air um but like let's let's kind of talk about that idea of the doors because i think you know i'm gonna we're gonna well i i will make sure to link bife's video and uh beard i'll make sure to get from you whichever videos you want me to link as well for your own theories all four of them okay i mean like i'm a jerk (laughs) okay okay but but i mean but what i'm gonna what i'm saying (laughs) is kind of kind of the funny thing that you know beard and i always joke about how we're going to argue and this this is another episode where I think we're actually pretty similar opinions. And Bife actually I think has a pretty similar. It turns out has a pretty similar opinion. I don't agree all the with all the steps that Bife took, um, mm-hmm. but the conclusion I agree with. I disagree about. Yeah, he he, he, I, he made it, and I already I already messaged him. I was like, I don't know yeah. where 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 did we find these? Because like I just don't remember, and I could be completely wrong. I'm completely open to being completely wrong. Um, well, but let's and the. The idea, I think that we're all kind of on, or at least most of us are like on the same page of what, what they quote unquote are. Yes. Mm -hmm. But I think we're all coming to that conclusion and looking at some different, uh, different entities that work together in a lot of different measures. Yeah. We're all, we're on, we're all on different paths, but we're getting to the same clearing. This is why people hate my videos, but that's fine. No, but I mean, I, that's why I don't do videos is because I'd be also there. Um, and, you know, because. I like your videos, Beard. <laughs> fine, nobody has to like them. There's only 20,000 of you that seem to like it. It's I'm totally one of fine. them. I'm a subscriber. No. Beard, Beard, Beard. But but is this your new channel or your old channel? Oh, my oh, God. <laughs> there don't it is. There it is. You're a jerk. Oh, there goes the depression for, again. For, you, for those, <laughs> this is, I make fun of him a lot. But anyways. A lot? You're the reason I go to therapy. <laughs> well, hey, look at this. Look at this way. You're doing, you're doing better than Justin. Justin, apparently, what was it that Justin said? He was oh. uncurable or something. Yes. Um, but to get, to get back to this idea of a door, right? Like the emissary presents 
if I and I'm I'll be f- completely transparent. I have never been to the third spire. I am not a PvP player. I have no desire or inclination to try. So that being said, I, that's out there. That being said, I would like to go to the spire sometime, and I do like to play PvP. And yeah, I'm not green is durable, the exact so opposite. If you would like to help me, <laughs> green is the exact opposite of play. <laughs> green is the complete <laughs> opposite of me. me. Um, but still doing phrasing. 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 Um, <laughs> guys. Speaking, I didn't even catch that one. Normally I notice it as it's coming out of my mouth, but that time I didn't even catch it. Phrasing. I'm sorry. I had to. Um, that's fine. That's going to be the new the new clean way of being awkward, um, <laughs> which I guess it already is. But anyways, the door. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So the emissary presents itself i i don't know what do we do do are we in agreement is there a gender to the emissary is it i would say their selves just because you do have and which is why i did the summary the way i did you do have the high timbre and the low timbre voice mixed together it does appear that the higher timbre is the predominant voice and the Mm -hmm. lower one is the other half per se, but I would say that there's still a duality going on there. Well, well and, and there's, oh, go for it, Beard. Go sorry. for it. No, there's, uh, there's been this this thought in theory that it's like uh, the, yes, it is a predominantly or feels predominantly female due to some of the I guess you could say even the clothing choice or something like that feels like it's highly uh, feminized. But there's a lot of theory that suggests it is the the quote-unquote perfect uh, showcase mm. of, like, a very uh, gender-neutral mm-hmm. featured body. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, I agree. You, you could very much argue, especially with, like, the higher tones versus the lower tones, in, in a lot of instances you feel, and I, I love how they do this with the emissary, you you listen to it and it's more like a, the the lower vocals are more rumbles. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting with this is more of like you know science of sound in some directions and terms here. If you're if you're deaf or hard of hearing, you have an easier time picking up on those tonalities because of the rumble that is felt, like the the quote unquote bass that is felt, versus what you'll find with like a lot of like higher pitched. Uh, female voices or otherwise they're harder to pick up on because of the frequency and i find it funny how this one we do hear that the like the female voice a lot more predominantly than we do the male voice but even regardless of any of these facts the lips don't move (laughs) in anything that we see can Uh, i project something upon that and just add to it real quick i think that the emissary speaks on all frequencies Mm-hmm. I think that we're only picking up the ones that we can most distinguish, but no matter who the emissary is talking to, I imagine that they can hear her in whatever frequency that their uh, their inner ear, per se, can actually hear. Well, and that falls back on a very important point of my entire theory, believe it or not, uh, but largely it also calls to question how the uh, emissary is able to communicate with us even during Trials of the Nine. Mm-hmm. You could pass it back as an idea of simple gameplay, but we know for a fact that there has to be something that communicates with our ghost. We don't necessarily see too much of an example of that, that they, she or any of them or whatever can potentially, 
excuse me, potentially communicate with our ghosts that way. Uh, it's a it's a different methodology, if nothing else. But again, plays back to a very important part of my theory. But before I keep blabbering my mouth, Blue, go. I was going to say just real quick, <clears throat> again, transparency being noted, I have never been here, but Third Spire, <laughs> um, I, I did do a little bit of research because that's what I'm I'm actually pretty decent at uh, instead of PVP. Um, <laughs> so there are actually multiple instances of the emissary on the Third Spire, which I think we've kind of been dancing around, but I just wanted to say that. Uh, and the way that we get to see these emissaries, for those of you who are very daring and very good at PvP, um, not me, is you first you have to win at least once, and that will get you to the first emissary. Then if you get three wins, you will get to the second emissary. And there's different mm-hmm. tiers of rewards as well, which and most of most people who play Destiny 2 will probably already know um but there is an entire set of gear or armor sorry well armor and weapons actually Mm -hmm. uh for each yeah for for each class every class has a set of armor with its corresponding class there are actually two sets of armor there is a set of armor for if you just win uh which i'll get into just a little bit but if you win light set yes there's there's a oh is are they actually light and dark yeah, they literally oh, that's so, so, the that's reflections so cool. of each other. Nice. So there's a regular set and then what's called the flawless set. So for anyone who's new to Destiny, this is kind of a this is also was in Destiny One. It's been continued in Destiny Two. Um, the difference there is if you so the entire concept is the same as the Trials of Osiris. This has now become the Trials of Nine. Um, and if you go for seven wins without losing once, that is considered a flawless run. If you get the seven wins, and I think you have up to three losses, I believe is what it is before you're quote unquote disqualified. Um, right. So if you have you do get to the, just before the final, yeah, yeah, expire, yeah, yeah. So if you have seven wins, that's not flawless. That is still considered a successful run, but it's or sorry, seven wins and up to two losses. It's still considered a successful run, but it is not flawless. So there's a difference here. Um, and those are the armor sets. Uh, and I have, I have those names. I'll get to, I'll come back to them and just, they're in the mind map. Are they in the mind map? Perfect. Green, yeah, green, I put, green beat me to it. Um, yeah, I put them all in as well as the guns in the mind map for this week. So wheat. So, and we'll we'll definitely get back to the guns because I have a kind of a pet theory about those. Um, but for the emissaries uh, or emissary instances, the first emissary we see after one win. Uh, after three wins, you get to access the second instance of the emissary, and you also you bleh, sorry you also are rewarded with a uh, Trials of the Nine legendary engram, which we'll pull from the pool. Um, if you get seven wins, but it is not a flawless run, you see the third instance of the emissary and you actually get a choice between three legendary Ingrams. Um, and then if you actually get a flawless run, you get to see the final emissary, which basically is within a special area. Um, and this is, this is the one that you see a lot of videos on is this massive it's the same figure, but it's like immense and f- big. And I think if you look opposite to the mm-hmm. area where she is, that's where you're going to see the horse. 
It's um, uh, downward to the right. It's not quite complete opposite. Not complete. Okay. Which is what, which That's is what important. completely screws up positioning no, of like doesn't. several thoughts. No, that it have doesn't. Been out there. No, no, it completely screws no, up doesn't. the obvious thoughts. <laughs> That's so good, guys. The, the other the other thing that flawless right, gives right. you is um, <laughs> not only do you you get choice of two engrams, you also get an emblem, and then you also get one of the often sought after auras, um, unless that's changed, uh, which it's possible it has. But um, yeah, so that's the big that's the big importance there. The the interesting connection between the emissary and Zur, and this is kind of where we kind of jumped on, is the emissary explains itself as a door, and then there are three key. Man, I cannot talk. Three keys in the trials. Um, do we have any idea, uh, guys? And I didn't get a chance to actually dig into the concept of the three keys. Do we have any ideas what those three keys are? Do you guys know? Are they just the victory? Not, are they the victory benchmarks? Or I was not able to really figure too much out, minus like some of the uh, the she she mentions like a couple different things with like conviction, uh, mm-hmm. justice, and so on throughout yeah, the voice the opening lines. lines. Yeah, oh, okay, but okay. really, I can't find anything that like solidifies them as physical keys. They seem more like mental ideas or something concepts more than anything yeah they they just fit to the philosophy of what the nine is after with the trial i think is the the overarching idea that at least i was able to come back i like one fox two fox the three keys are the rock paper scissors (laughs) i'm I'm on board with that idea i do have a theory behind that A little I, bit, not the one, not the rock paper scissors. Oh, I was like, I was, I was like, I'm, 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 on a second. I'm yeah. impressed. I'm like, I'm, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm waiting for this one because I'm like, uh, this is uh, a Justin theory. No, it's not a Justin theory. <laughs> um, no, actually, here in spirit. Yes, always here in spirit. We will make puns in his place. No, <laughs> probably not as many. Um, no. Actually, if you look at the going back to the armor set, and I, I pointed this out to Blue the other day. <laughs> that on the armor sets themselves, the three symbols that signify the the nine now, instead of the triangle symbol, which I used as the banner background, I did also include these three symbols. They're actually representative of the three different classes. You have one that is the Titan, one that's Warlock, one that's Hunter. And you can see that on the armor pieces because one of them is filled in for each of the classes. Mm-hmm. My theory has to do with the fact that each of those classes and this blue, you're going to love this. This actually relates back to your psychology papers, articles mm-hmm. that you've been writing and that each of the classes is representative of a psychological concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Di- uh, dichotomy of the worldview. Mm-hmm. And that each of the keys relies on your conquering of each of those concepts. Oh, uh- Not- Oh, so you, okay. I can get that. I can get behind that theory. There's no significant proof to it. The only thing I can say that I could say definitively is that the three circles are representative of the three classes. Beyond that, it's just speculation. Yeah, because I I remember when you sent me those images, you're like, do you notice anything? (laughs) 
<laughs> my, my immediate response was like, besides the obvious connection of the circles to the class that's wearing them, <laughs> you're like, no, that that was it. It's <laughs> so like, this is a trick question. Green is trying to trick me. Green was like running through so many theories in her head last night that I tried to like spit them all out at different people and it just turned into a tiny tiring mess for everyone involved. Well, you know, one of the instances being that I, that I made you mad. What? A little bit, a little bit. I was, I I actually woke up angry. still at you. (laughs) (laughs) And Julie was, Julie was impressed. She's like, you don't wake up angry at anybody. I was just like, what? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> I love then. you, Beard. I love I'll you. just put that on as another reason I'm single. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Be, be so, wary of green at Guardian Con. No. Uh, no, it's look. It's fine. If, if, if she kills me from, like, poisoning my drink or something, at no. least I'm going in a way I would understand and I would respect. All right? If you, <laughs> if you give the Irish some... Some, some poison whiskey. I'm it's too fine. passive aggressive for that. I'm too passive uh, aggressive. <laughs> what, what are you talking about? Poison is like the best passive aggressive way to, to off somebody. Why am I talking about this in a public setting? Um, so Viru uh, uh, had actually posted in in chat. I don't want to let this go. Uh, I, I guess it's a voice line that I completely over missed, and that's my bad. Uh, the voice line is one is judgment in all mm-hmm. its connotation. The weight of it is a weapon. Another is death, inevitable, relentless. A third is perfection, flawless destruction. Three keys to unlock irre- irrevocable change. Welcome, Guardian, to the place where everything dies and mm-hmm. begins anew. That Apparently, is, this is a that's uh, a very that's a welcome that's yeah. a welcome speech when you get there. Which I I must have ended up like completely missing that, not recording it, whatever. Uh, oh no, wait! I know why. It's because I've never been there. <laughs> I Yay! know a great video you could watch where somebody has like recorded it and then made his own theory about it. Mm. I mean, it's this guy named Bife. Like he's got all. Of I think it. I, I think transcribed it last night. I think. Oh. I think there's another guy named Beard that has a couple videos on it too. Yeah, but he doesn't. He's not at the spire. Like he's got he's got the theories, but he's not the spire. So you know how you woke up mad at me this morning. Um, you're well on your way here. Man. So By real quick though. Okay, so real quick because mm. then so then Trigger is talking about like the the assignment of those to the classes. Um, mm-hmm. the connotation of that is actually really interesting because if you need Isn't three keys, if you need three key, God, man, I'm just thinking ready player one now. Um, but <laughs> mm-hmm. like, yes. sorry, sorry. I was like three yes. keys and oh my gosh, I am going back. Anyways, if you need three keys, is that saying that one person needs to hold the three keys or does that mean that a team of three needs to be there? We need to have, well, there's a team of four now. No, that throws everything off. That's not allowed. Yeah, I know. That's the only reason I'm like, uh, is broken. Like, wait, have you have you forgotten one of the bungee rules? The rule of three. It's always going to be there. It's always or seven or seven or nine. 
or, or Which seven or nine. Nine yes. plays into the rules of three, but because it's three uh, groups exactly. of three. I mean, I, look, this is this is just about on Sith levels, okay? Rule of two. You can't break <laughs> mm-hmm. Green, what do you got for us? Fun thing about when you're at the Spire, when you go from the base platform to the first actual platform after getting some wins, it's I a triangle. Three tiers. It's a, Yeah, it's three tiers before you get to the final <laughs> thing. Uh, the first tier that you are on is a triangle. The second tier, how many wins do you have to have? Five. Three. No, no, three. Five. Oh. First one, you have to have three wins to get to the first triangle. Three-sided triangle. Oh, then you have to have okay. five, which is the <laughs> pentagon, which is the next one. And then there's a heptagon because you have to have seven wins. And then you get to the final spire, which is also seven wins, but flawless, and which is the full, the full spire. And I bet you, if they would have thought that it would have made sense for gameplay and not frustrated people too much, it would have been three, three, and three. Mm-hmm. That would have been nice. Because then it would have been the trial, like literally the trials of the nine. The nine, right? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So, do you want to? Too bad that I throw it all out. But moving on. Well, I mean, I guess this is also kind of you know talking about like eight. The we're we're, we've kind of talked about the agents, and then you know, basically, like we've said, is this entire episode is kind of going to be a lost lore episode because you know when I when I made a note of like, well, what do we know? um we know we know their name maybe sort of probably not but we know we know a legend yeah we know garden oh my god okay looking at stranger okay we know the legends oh my god so (laughs) the legends card i'm sorry the legend card is seriously as a D &D player i i swear to you the first time i read that card i was like oh this is a gather information results check. Like mm-hmm. it reads like if I'm a DM and I have my players in a tavern and they roll right. a gather information check, this is the legend right. that you hear about it. Like that is how Absolutely. I read that. I cannot not read that card that way. Like I, I can't, I I've tried <laughs> to not read it that way. And like, cause everyone's like, well, it could be that it's, you know, one of each. And it's like, yeah, I, I swear to you, it's a it's a gather information check card. I guess it's, it's like legitimately one of those things where it can go from the extreme of one of these means one of one of each of the nine, or all of these are absolute and complete. Which you actually <laughs> talked about in your in your video. Yes, I actually fall back though on one in particular, but that leads back to Saint Fourteen. Which one uh, was the Saint Fourteen one? The, um, I'm I'm also thinking of the darkness card, but it kind of mm. it kind of plays back with the uh, with like the the fleet ideas. But uh, there's uh, three of them that make a little bit more sense than most of the others do. Uh, the the ones about them being like uh, Leviathan intelligences. I feel we throw out uh, a couple of the others that I feel I do. Let me. I won't. I won't kill you guys at the typing but i'll bring it up real quick just to get them in my head again just for while he's bringing that up just for everyone listening uh the card we're talking about is legends 2 if you would like to look that up at ishtar collective 
And you can kind of follow along with this. It's the card that makes everybody's head hurt because it's, it also started the theory, unfortunately, or whenever some of the new stuff came out in D2 that the ghost and what was the name of that lore tab? It's from the sniper rifle, the long walk walk. or long walk. Yeah. Yeah. Long walk. Um, where the ghosts are nine different ghosts talking to a character named, was it Oren? Oren. Yep. Yeah. And everyone was just like, that's the nine. The ghosts are the nine. It's they're not. Uh, Yeah. I don't, I think it to, so to weigh in on my opinion of that, um, my opinion is I agree. I don't think that there are the nine and it's not really because of anything definitive, but it's just because in the history of Bungie, they have never done something so blatantly simple like that. I would yeah. say there is more definitive answers to that, but that's also my feelings about the legends card too. Well, well I mean, to... just like, just like, I mean, it just, to me, that feels like it's a red herring. Yeah. Like it just, funny it, enough. Yeah. Go for it, beard. I, I I actually did find all of my notes that I took for those four videos. Um, nice. But it was uh, actually 10 pages worth of notes that I parsed together from all of this. Excuse me. Um, so I should actually mention this because where I was getting those, uh, those quotes from Zer from y'all might giggle at this one. Uh, they were underneath my tab for the Ahamkara. And this kind of plays into something that, you know, Legends 2 speaks of to some some fair length. And that's actually number three. Uh, the nine are ancient Leviathan intelligences mm-hmm. from the seas of Europa or the hydrocarbon pits on Titan. This also comes back to uh, a helmet that we had in destiny one called the long tomorrow 9g uh this helmet actually states that somebody had seen an ahamkara flying around jupiter there are a few things that really just kind of drive me absolutely nuts about reading anything about leviathan intelligences and understanding kind of what the ahamkara are in their reference of dragons and then you give me an information piece like this. So this ties back to a fair important piece. Uh, the next one, though, kind of tying back to the long walk, uh, which Blue has uh, posted here in chat while I've got the card up all the same, but the, the nine are ghosts who pierced the deep black without a ship and meditated on the hissing silence of the heliopause. There are two pieces that I want to point out from that. One, ghosts. Long Walk talks about ghosts. It's really hard to read that card as anything but ghosts. The implication that any of these are like small sparks, which is basically little lights. Uh, (laughs) The implication, too, that they are able to go past the the hissing silence and go out to the deep black without a ship. Uh, All I can think of from all of that is that there are these other things that are capable of void travel, they were called the Ahamkara. They were void dragons. So in some respects, I am having this very hard time not looking at it as more of like a conglomeration. And that gives uh, the nine as more of like a conglomeration, if you will, 
or other pieces that kind of link back to them or anything that has nothing to do with them and in fact could end up being something that's trying to chase the nine like Gosiris did. And that's where the Legends 2 card basically confuses and makes a little bit more sense out of it. Like these are the things that we've tried before to catch up with the nine, but are they the nine? Is, is this still meaning the nine at all or is it a red herring? And on top of that beard also from the long walk is, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, uh, going back to, you know, reading them as ghosts. Um, if you look, they also talk about how each one of them used to have a charge. And then like, there's that little, there's a little spat between a couple of them about like, don't say that because some of us never had charges, but that doesn't mean we don't want right. them or whatever. Um, yep. And then one of them even refers to one of the charges being shacks. I yep. think, if I remember. I'm going off memory on top um, of that one. But the Shax is mentioned in there. Um, they they said uh, something like, you sound like Shax. Yeah, it wasn't uh, It wasn't that a charge was Shax, but at least... Uh, oh, yeah, okay. So, they, yeah, they, they were... Yeah, or Orin sounds like Shax. That's right. I had to look that again. So, I mean, did yeah, I, I definitely... Did I ever tell you my theory on those ghosts? Well, they can't be Holborns, but go for it. Oh, God. (laughs) So, so I had kind of thought about Jaggy a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, We know of seven ghosts that ended up uh, returning from an incident with Jaggy's host. And we never really hear any kind of, like, admitted, like bit that fixed it or had changed at all uh about these these ghosts so at least seven of them could possibly be jaggy's host oh yeah uh, sorry then, i said holborn but i meant yeah i meant Jaggy's. you meant jaggy's yeah they uh and there's nothing that confirms that obviously uh but it's i i think a cute little theory to kind of tie back to that however i kind of thought a little bit further on that one uh number one doesn't talk i'm presuming that they had a charge number two does talk seems to impose that they had a charge. number three doesn't talk possibly had a charge uh number four possibly never had a guardian because there are implications that state that they may not have actually been uh with guardians at some point or some at least a couple of them lives without finding bingo uh, number five, excuse me, number five, six, seven, uh, do possibly have uh, or had had guardians before. Uh, these three especially are chatty within the card and they seem to kind of give implication. Number eight doesn't talk. I'm assuming, though, that they had something at one point. The The silent ones, it's hard for me to really put it into words, but I just have this feeling that they, they, they speak volumes more because they seem more content than the others do, as stupid as that kind of sounds. But the ninth one. The ninth one is in particular interest because he states how much he is more comfortable in darkness and how much he uh, he wants to, uh, you know, stay there or or he understands it a little bit better or so on. 
And I cannot help shake this feeling that that's dredging yours. Yeah, I was wondering. I was wondering if you were if that's where you were going with that one. <laughs> yeah, there's. But I guess my challenge there is like, do you if if that if you know, going down this hypothetical train? Now let's say that's mm. that's true. I I would think that he would be. I mean, like he might be comfortable, but I think given the way that we saw the last discourse between him and your, I don't mm-hmm. think he would be comfortable in darkness. See, he you know, says that he doesn't understand it. He oh, also states okay. that he effectively doesn't necessarily uh, agree with it, but he still has hope for your. He still has this interest in wanting to bring your back out from whatever darkness it was that had taken. Right. So my my whole theory basically hinges on the idea that yours ghost effectively said, I don't want to see my friend fall to this. There is obviously still some semblance of good in him, even if it is twisted to the natures that we expect it to be. But maybe I can still bring him back. I have to go out there to understand the darkness further. In doing oh, so, okay. corrupts himself, turns himself into basically the ideas of this small spark, and loses a lot of what he was effectively as. But that's why I, I feel that it is in some... Because we see this twist, we see this shift happen. It's it's not like it's something that's out of the ordinary for a ghost to have happened. And Jaron Ward's ghost, as funny as it is in the same story, is a perfect example of that. He goes from a, a, still a very quiet ghost, yes, but now he goes to a very vengeful ghost, as we start to see in some of the uh, newer stuff in Age of Triumph with Shin Malfur and how the ghost ends up coming up and saying, well, you know what you need to do. You should probably just go shoot all of those guardians that we have as friends <laughs> before they end up getting really out of hand. So they can get vengeful. And they can also end up getting to the point where they want to understand and turn back things. Like, I, I, I feel like I'm definitely rambling on this no, one, but they, they have, they have this mean and measure to, to want to hold the it, us together, and that is another piece of them to like not understand it. It's just like a warlock. What is it that ends up setting a warlock to madness? Truth. And some ghosts, just as warlocks, want to preserve and think about truth. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, they have personality. Sorry, sorry, Green. I was just going to say they have personalities, yeah. which is very odd for an AI, if you think about it. But go, go, Green. Sorry. I was just going to say it's hard to dispute that the ghosts that are in the long walk have not been changed. Yeah. By wherever they were. Which, well, again, even- points to the, the interesting thing about AI. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about AI, and this is something that um, my wife and I have talked about, because I, I played uh, the other night. I was playing the Turing Test, which is an awesome mm-hmm. little game. If you haven't, if you haven't played it, it's, it's definitely a fun game. But one of the things is like the, um, and this is very common in video games in general. But there's this sense of like AI getting annoyed. You know, you have Glados, or in in the case of the Turing, I can't remember his name. Um, the, the AI per, um, antagonist in the Turing test. And these, these AI have like emotions, which is very like, if for us, it makes sense, you know, Oh, well this is frustrating. Like this would be a frustrating situation. The, the human 
subject is not cooperating. You would understand getting frustrated. But if you actually sat back and thought about it, an AI doesn't have that. Like there, there's no emo. It's you know, if you have an Android, for example, uh, you know, or a computer, a complete, uh, complete robot. Sorry, I stumbled over that for some reason. You have a complete robot who's just got an artificial intelligence. That's it. There is no emotion. So, like, if you if you program this robot to, if he hears a knock at the door, he needs to answer the or it needs to answer the door. See, I even just did that myself. I anthropomorphized him. Um, It needs to answer the door. Well, if you wrap this robot in chains so that it cannot answer the door, the robot will continue to try to answer the door. But at any given point, the 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 AI, this this sentient level, never gets frustrated. It just it it's an equation. Knock at door. I need to answer door. So it constantly tries it. Now, if you have a, you know, a machine learning process or capability in there, then it might, you know, be able to compute different ways to get around the obstacle that it's being faced. But never once does that AI experience a level of frustration or a level of satisfaction when it actually does open the door. It just it, it just goes into a stasis. Um and actually, Philip K. Dick does a really good job with his short stories and kind of portraying this in that there there is a distinct difference in the way that we perceive AIs and the way that AIs actually work um, as far as like machine learning works. There's no emotional response to a completion of a task for a machine. The task is just done. And which is it's actually very foreign to us, like trying to understand how that works. It's very difficult to understand. But the fact that the ghost have these emotions, whether that is synthetic emotions or like actual emotions points to the fact that, you know, just like everything else, I mean, it begs the question, are these actual AI or are these something more, you know, and, and beard, you're, you're a hundred percent correct. And that's kind of where I'm kind of going with this is like the fact that these ghosts have, you know, a sense of vengeance, um, a sense of curiosity. We have shells for ghosts who do certain things, who feel certain way. You know, the word, those, those word choices are technically not applicable to artificial intelligence. Um, you know, it's, and this, and this is begging the question, of course, you know, does this artificial intelligence transcend into, sentient or not to sentience but like to a degree of self-awareness to the point that it has emotions then i mean then we can get into that debate too but i i think that's that's whenever people start talking about ghosts and emotions that's like immediately where my head goes is like but does it or is it us portraying like is us projecting our emotions onto the ghosts yeah it, it's highly debated a point of like how improved, how advanced is this artificial intelligence or AI? Because Ghost goes back and forth so often by saying, who came up with the words AI? And then pretty well in the next sentence ends up going ahead and admitting, well, you know, I'm a computer to a point. Like, we're we're not getting on, like, the same basis on this level. Like, I understand that a computer within most of Bungie's games... Like, I'll look back at Halo, of course, on this one just as much. Uh, granted, they've got the two. Whatever. Uh, right, right, the, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, also, I, get, I get it, yeah. 
yeah, they they also portray back to this thought of uh, you know uh, computers have life behind them. The question, of course, for for us as humans, because we are organic life, we are the most natural form of life. Where a computer would not have, uh, I, I feel like we got on the AI debate again, like real fast. We always uh, do. The we always do. Yeah, it's so easy to do, and it, it still very much pertains back to the nine, which you know we can, we can. I'll get to here in a little bit here, but uh, you know the the idea that like a ghost has this this idea of artificial intelligence behind it. Sure. Uh, the the whole concept though of like are they legitimized points of of points of emotion are they legitimized like souls stuff like that they would not exist uh, a me- a mechanical piece of equipment would supposedly not exist without like some kind of organic life that had involved itself in it as far as we know because we still don't know necessarily what the traveler comes from to begin with. Uh but the to to tie it back to like what we're talking about here with the the nine of course were the these ghosts have been touched in a way that shows that they can be emotionally distraught, I would almost say. Uh and whether the nine have a measure or hand in it is a very big question. Now the largest argument, of course, is these nine ghosts that are within the long walk. Are they the nine? And I'm pretty sure that everybody that I know is going to say, no, that is way too simple a overall uh, reasoning behind what the nine is. It is far too simple for what we've seen. Because I don't know something that... It, Granted, I got my ideas behind why they need ghosts because I'm looking at Zur as a culmination of dead cells, just saying what do ghosts do with revives. But this this idea that yes, they could be linked with the nine in some overall causality, that I would be legitimately more interested in or understand where that's coming from. And it again gives way to my idea which counts further into stuff like locale and how the emissary acts and so on of why other groups are involved. The Ahamkara being a big one. But before I really lose myself again, somebody else play me off. I actually like to redirect which card we're looking at or which tab we're looking at. That's probably safe. Because... Everyone has talked about a long walk for a long time, and not just us, like, Ah. everybody has talked about a long walk for a long time. But the card that actually caught my eye more than most of them was the Adjudicator card, Mm -hmm. or the Adjudicator tab. Partially because I'm fascinated with Bungie's use in both the Books of Sorrow and in the new Nine Lore tabs, with formatting a phrasing to distinguish speakers or personalities. I kind of, I actually really, really dig it. I think it's cool, but the, the card in particular is, it's just the very first line drives me crazy. You sought us out in the deep black. 
Okay, deep black. There's deep has always had a really interesting connotation in Destiny. No one can really deny that one, unfortunately. But I don't think it's the same deep that orcs went to. Meditation wasn't enough for you. That that right there actually makes me wonder about so many questions when it comes to the nine. Go and touch the hissing silence. Do not fear being submerged. Not many ships go that far these days. You went through hell to get one, and then again to get out there. You found the devil himself. A golden snake devil with a, uh, who, a, who poses as God. No more a god than you. You didn't fight him. You turned around. Smart. Others did. While we watched. I, um, Blue, Beard stepped out for a moment. So I'm going to say this. I'm sorry. Are you, are you talking about Nezarak? I'm going to talk about a lot of things with this. (laughs) Sorry. Because Beard's not here right now. Go, go, Uh, quick. I'm really going to try to squeeze this in here real quick. Um, and as soon as I'm sure I start actually talking about it, he's going to be right back. The, the concept that this makes me think of actually has to do with another voice line where she, I think it's the emissary that says it where she says, uh, we are everywhere and everything type thing. So kind of an omnipresent type concept to an extent. What I actually think some of this is leading to my scientific brain going way nuts last night on way too many rabbit holes was talking about the space between our actual particles. Oh, okay. Yeah. That there are, there's so much more space between every little physical thing that we have in our universe that Nothing's there. It is a void. Where do the nine that, well, if we're going to get into Bife's video next, Bife talks about where they reside. They reside in the void. The void is the space between things. The nine are, could be technically everywhere because they are in between every little piece of you. Mm Mm-hmm. Or but. as as often as we talk about, <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's okay. I tried to squeeze as much of my sciencey stuff in there while you were gone. Why are you trying to do science without me? What's wrong <laughs> with you? I didn't you talk about black it. holes. I'm saving black holes for later. All right, that's fine. Okay. So, as as much as you know, we talk about the stranger and uh, a couple other beings that kind of exist. I, li- I, I like the idea of the void as like the space between things. Mm-hmm. And I do very much agree with it. I just wonder how far necessarily we want to continue with that idea, especially when I start seeing beings like the emissary or Zur, mm-hmm. where they're pulled from like, it almost feels like different dimensions. Because if I'm going to be honest with anything, I feel like the nine could go uh, coexist between dimensions, right. which at that point very well explains how they can be everywhere and nowhere because they are all around us. Basically, they're 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 yeah, 
Yeah, you mean like vo- Void Lords. Yeah, go figure. Um, and if anybody says Nezarek, I swear to you. You already did. Oh, you already said it. You already said it. Okay. Thanks. You already said it. I, I tried I tried to do it when you weren't here, so it wouldn't anger you. you See, I was being respectful. I, even, I was being respectful of your up. of your emotional stability. I shouldn't, have just even up. I shouldn't have I shouldn't have even said a thing. I shouldn't have. What was I thinking? Why? <sighs> All right. I could tell you why it isn't Nezarek, but I'll be nice and let well, you Well, no, have- I don't think I don't think the nine are Nezarek, but I think that mm-hmm. the the uh Oh, what was it? The agitator, the adjudicator was what you were mm-hmm. just reading. The adjudicator. Um, they they speak of meeting the devil and them watching. Like yeah. so, just in that just in that phrasing, it it separates them between the golden snake, which I kind of think is I I just think makes me think of Nezrak. I don't I don't really have any hard proof there. It just kind of is like, mm-hmm. eh, you know, it's just what I feel. Um, and then. Uh, but there's a there's a segregation there because they are watching this interaction with the golden snake. So by definition, they are not the golden snake. Mm-mm. Yeah, trigger, yes, trigger, I, trigger in chat is saying that too. They they said we met the devil, but they they right. were all they were watching us meet the like just the 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 way that that explanation is framed kind of mm. drives a wedge between no they are not i'm not saying that Nez, though i am on the same page as bife in the idea that you know the echoes of mythology are very interesting as a potential because right. there is it's a lot of council of nine what was that it's just because it's an ethereal it's an ethereal concept that we have to think about with the nine and yes the number nine Nicely coincides with lots of different pantheons. Mm-hmm. Well, not necessarily. Well, it uh, not necessarily like pantheons in and of themselves, but they're the idea of a council of nine figures is prevalent in a lot of different mythologies. You have, you know, the Greek mythology, uh, which ties into the story of Perseus, which ties in, or not Perseus. Um, I just went blank. Pandora uh, mm-hmm. as punishment for Prometheus. Don't know why I went with Perseus. We have to try to figure out why I connected to Perseus on that one here in a minute. But anyways, so uh, Prometheus, uh, you know, stole fire and all that. And then his the punishment was actually Pandora and Pandora's box and curiosity that that unleashed the the misfortune, if you will, because of human curiosity. Um, and that was that was the Council of Nine in Greek mythology. That's that entire decision point was that was decided by. A, oh, hang on, let me try to remember. Um, the nine in Greek mythology were Aphrodite, Apollo, Athena, Demeter, Hephaestus, Hera, Hermes, Poseidon, and Zeus. Um, which, by the way, does not. Oops, sorry, hit the mic there. Does not include. I think it's Al Algir which is the god of pain in the Greek mythology. Um, so Nezarak, as described as a self-described god of pain, does not associate with any of those nine figures. Just FYI, there's no parallel there. Um, and interesting note there, Algir is actually the, I can't remember, it's a half-sister or full-sister of Eris. So, fun fact. Um, but there's there's also like, 
I mean, yeah, there, I think someone mentioned it in the chat, uh, the Nazgul from Tolkien, which isn't really yeah. mythology, but I mean, it's, a, it's a literary it's, brother. Oh, is that that's my brother? brother? There he is. <laughs> He's probably coming to get mad at me for not playing Path of Exile with him. Um, <laughs> but so like, you know, there, there's a lot of repetitiveness in the number nine within our own real mythology, like realities mythology, not just within Destiny World. So Disney World. Now I want to go to Disney World. I'm on a really uh-huh. random tangent tonight. Here's but a, anyways, here's a question for you though. So we are the nine different personalities, or is the nine a collective? Maybe so, a cult of Bayons or something. Ah. Oh I, yeah, because that that ties sorry. into the historical reference of the Council of Nine. Which is in Italy, in Siena. Mm-hmm. Well, I was also just thinking the fact that if we believe that the nine are actually the voices in any of the cards or any of the tabs, I'm going to continually call them cards for the rest of my life. <laughs> entries, 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 lore yeah. entries. Like any of them, there's only four different voices. If we take each of the, yeah, I, I did, I did that. I tried to count them out. Did you? There's only four. Did you account for the difference in punctuation? Just, just mm-hmm. out of curiosity. Okay, they so did. even because I think there was one that had all caps, but it had punctuation, yeah. and the other ones doesn't. There was one that had all caps but no punctuation. Yeah. So there's I don't like know if you separated out those. all caps. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's like run to get like the spaced out all caps. And there's then the one that's traditional spelling or traditional grammar. There's all caps with punctuation. There's no caps, like all lowercase. Which is There's actually no the most pun- annoying one to read, by the way. It's I not don't that know. bad. I, I don't like I don't like low all lowercase. <laughs> it's not as bad as alternating caps, but it's nearly there. Yeah. At least they have like correct they, they still include like um apostrophes where this they're supposed is true. to be. This is very it's true. It's not text speak. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, there's only four different voices in the entire thing. And actually, I think the hardest one to read is the all caps completely like spaced out one space in between each one. Oh, really? That See, one's I, actually, that- I actually didn't have too much problem with that. One. I, I don't I actually did not have that much problem with that one. Um, but is that's it because also- you're busy reading my all cap speech all the time? Is that well? There's <laughs> there is you're that there is that like- you've you have desensitized me to the all caps speech, but also, <laughs> but also the uh, the fact it's very similar to a program language. Like I just I'm I see I see bodies of text, and I just because of what I do as a job. And right. again, oh, because God, it's been so script. super. Why did you remind me? Right. No. Yeah. See, see, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. If I'm, if I'm looking at JavaScript or C++ all day, that's uh, kind of uh, like I'm, my brain just automatically sees like blocks of text and is chunking them. So. But that's something that I'm curious about is do we have more than actual four voices? Are these actually the nine in those cards or are they another, another. See, I honestly. Are you talking like so for the weapons? I, mm-hmm. um, I'll be honest. I kind of read it as if it's from emissaries. Emissary can speak in regular tones. Yeah, I mean, it, there's it also, might be the there's also multiple instances four that we know I of. I mean, that's true. 
I, I, I'm, I just kind of read it as like the quote, the flavor text quote is from the emissary. Most of them, if I'm remembering, most of them are all from the emissary talking to the individual guardian. And then I don't know. I just, I kind of, I, I thought maybe they were the nine. Then I thought maybe they're the ghosts that we see in the long mm-hmm. walk. Um, but the discrepancy in the way that the entry is construed uh, between the long walk and the rest of them make it very difficult because they purposely call out individual ghosts in the long walk and they don't do that anywhere else. Um, right. And so then the other thing too is, and this is, this is entirely just me, but when you, you're talking about that, that particular text that is all caps, one letter apart, I actually, mm-hmm. I, in my head, when I read that, I hear that in that double tone voice, that low high voice that you did the summary in. And I've not, I've mm-hmm. haven't heard the emissary. So I, I mean, that's kind of, like I said, I haven't been, I I'll, I'll be honest with everyone. I haven't actually been able to play video games for the last couple of weeks. And, you know, Besides that's just path of exile at once. I've actually only been able to play once. Um, mm-hmm. you can ask my brother about that. He's mad yeah, at me because of that. Mad. Um, but like, it's just, and that's, and that's not anything towards the game. That's just, the if you know if you're in discord you know it's not anything towards the game it's just life right. has been crazy but um like that's actually how i i mentally read that uh without knowing that that was what the emissary's voice was was that's actually how i read that was that dual kind of high low voice that you were using that's how i kind mm-hmm. of perceived that so to me it's like i i don't i don't know beard what do you think well I'm trying to honestly think of a movie that I could reference to it, but the the trope is at least something that I'm thinking of. The the idea that you walk into like a an open council room and then you have, say, five people or so at the head. Uh, mm. and then you've got one and and that Oh God, it's on the tip of my tongue and I can't think of the what it does that I, that I want to reference, but you get one guy that's over here going like, "Thou hast caused a conundrum." Oh, it's a judgment. Yeah, it's a the, judgment. Yeah, it pr- pretty well similar to that. But then you go to the next guy over on the other side, and he's all like, "You will suffer this," oh, and it like goes to like yeah, a different like okay. tone altogether. Yeah, um, no, I know what you're talking about. Oh, um. God. You get like the real fast talking one, the real slow one, the high pitched one, the really low voiced one, the one that actually speaks normal, so on. And there are they're just parts of the whole. And I I still feel like there's this idea that kind of fits in with the nine, where we see, especially with like the the lore tabs entry, so on, where they have uh, some that will actually showcase themselves. And then there's still others that are off kind of doing the, the dirty work, if you will. Uh, if you look back over at, uh, well, I'll, I'll bring it up only because I just got done watching a little bit of it. Uh, I just got done watching uh, The Defenders on Netflix, finally. Like I'm still trying to catch up with uh, with everything on on uh, the, the Netflix Marvel stuff. It's and good. Of so course, good. It, so, so it, good. Except Iron Fist. I really didn't like Iron Fist. Um, yeah, you're you're what, in the majority on that one. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm thinking about the hand. 
you know, there's there's five fingers that kind of oh. solidify that whole idea, if you will. Yes, mm-hmm. there's five that are at the head, and I guess in this case there could be like nine that are at the head, uh, or there's like Just three. Can What's I make that? a correction real quick before okay. you go on, and it'll tie into it a tiny bit? Nope. Uh, Neo brought up there's actually five different voices. Right. Not four. I was right. mistaken. So what I'm kind of thinking on, on this idea, there may be, and I, and I know that there's like five voices that exist from the, uh, from the, the stuff that we kind of see within the lore tabs, but think of it like three, do this, three, do that, three, do another. Uh, I, I, in just like a, a different tiny piece or different parts of the whole, etc. Uh, I, I'm I'm kind of just spitballing at this point in that respect, but that's where like I kind of get this idea reading over the lore tabs. Like there's the different uh, different voice levels that kind of fit into it. Uh, there are still some that can talk and figure on philosophy, while mm-hmm. others have to go out and actually do something. You know, it's like New Monarchy versus Future War Cult. Some of us have hey, lives hey, to live. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> so, so basically, <laughs> to sum up, to, to sum up Beard and to cut off this entire nonsense with between the two lesser factions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, <laughs> sorry, I couldn't, well couldn't couldn't help that one. But well um, so the so the nine the nine are Hydra. Yeah. Hail Hydra! Hail Hydra! So, um, but interesting, you know, interesting like connection. America at the end of that. Uh, episode, that don't, we don't talk about that. But what's that? What's what? that about hating Iron Fist? Oh I think I hate my that gosh! More. Uh, that was such a weird. To- Anyways, <laughs> interesting, interesting note about that though. Actually, is that in Greek mythology, the Hydra was actually naturally born. Well, not it was born with nine heads. Mm-hmm. So an actual like a Hydra in myth- mythology, not not marvel but an actual hydra and like hercules and you know the the 12 labors those are born with nine heads and that's the the myths mythical serpent creature that if you cut off a head and you don't burn it um when you cut off a head two heads grow so Mm. but yeah so that there is actually a really random connection to to hydra with the nine like a vex hydra oh gosh can we talk about a, a very scary possibility that came up in one of the cards? Yeah, go for it. Rasputin is hiding from the Nine. I don't blame him. Check out a sudden death. Is that oh, the lion? Yeah. Is that the lion robot? Yes. Yeah. You spoke with the deep orbit minds. We heard what you asked, but they had questions too. Questions too. The lion robot no longer lies with others. So Where okay. Is he? Yeah. I- and here's my problem Where? with that. There's 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 so many possibilities with that particular line. It could be the Rasputin. Lying robot? Yeah. Could be it could be winter. exactly. Yep, yep. That's exactly what I was gonna say. It's Fellwinter. There I mean, if you really want to be kind of out there, there's Cade. Um because that you know, would we be have, hilarious. Well, but I mean, think <laughs> about it. We have Grimoire cards in which Andal kind of like jokingly calls Cade Rasputin. Mm-hmm. I mean Again, this is all biased perspective, but, you know, if Kate is lying about stuff, which I, I totally would not put past him because he does it all the time, you know, you could call Kate a lying robot. Actually, you could probably call Lakshmi a lying robot because we don't know anything about her history. The stranger, you know, I mean, any of the exos could be in some way configured to a lying robot. 
Uh, I take offense to that. Well, I know you do, but it's, I mean, seriously though, I mean, her (laughs) entire presentation is that she's shrouded in mystery and loves secrets. Oh, I wasn't talking about Lakshmi. I was talking about me. Oh, Uh, I'm an exo warlock. Oh, okay. Well, calm down. Yeah. Calm down. Thanks. Thanks a lot. I'm a little curious as to actually who they're speaking to in this. Oh, are they speaking to us? Necro has a good point too. Callus is a robot. Yeah. At least one form. Well, yeah, one form. Benedict. Right. Right. Oh, Benedict. I just don't know who they're speaking to. Are they actually speaking to us? Because did we speak to deep orbit See, minds? And that's where, and that's where, like, I kind of question: Are they speaking to us, or are they speaking to Orin? Is this a conversation between the ghost and Orin? Mm, I don't think it's the ghost. The ghosts don't show the same level of accusation. Weird, yeah, and they also don't show this this level of like voicing and the way that they do. Like right. they, at least the ones that we see. They they do talk in a typical tone. Yeah, the formatting doesn't change. True. Yeah, and referring back to my uh, to my notes, there's only three of them in which we haven't seen talk. Mm-hmm. So unless one of Fair. them decides okay. to say that they they want to eat my liver with a side of farva beans, then I've got nothing to worry about. Calm down, Hal. Uh, yeah, you know that just to get the point across. Um, <laughs> but that's. That's at least to uh, to kind of suggest that I think the the idea that they're the ghosts. No, uh, mm-hmm, I, I still mm-hmm, think mm-hmm. that the others, aside from the long walk, would say that that it's other beings. What they are is the question. And I know it's not the Ahamkara because we already know that the Ahamkara end up voicing themselves well <laughs> enough by the looks of things. <laughs> Oh, reader mine. Oh, co-host mm. mine. Um, yeah. And just, just all these cards, they seem to like have such a, a, a oh, just a tie into everything we've done. Mm-hmm. Trying right. to find it's the prosecutor card. There's the mm-hmm. illusion of having answers. Yeah. Well, there's, there's not. Mm, yeah, sort of. I mean, there's. The illusion, or not the illusion, the prosecutor card drives me crazy because it mentions things that we did in D1. Well, as well as other things that I don't know what it's referring to. Well, uh, and real, oh, go for it, Beard. The, the one thing, just to say kind of quickly on any of this, the more vague you are, like a fortune teller, eventually <laughs> you're going to hit some. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's effectively how I read a lot of these. Like, yes, they're referring to certain things, but you know what? I can throw 21 lines in a hat and get something that might look very similar. What? You you write horoscopes? You write horoscopes? Uh, What? I I don't know what you're talking about. I don't don't know. (laughs) Help me. I'm trapped in a fortune cooking factory. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Oh, God, that joke. They specifically call out, though, things that we've done as the main player. As the as the guardian, mm-hmm. well, and this kind of you know I kind of mentioned this in our in our chat real quick, but I this kind of ties back into this nagging feeling that I have about the weapons in particular. I cannot look at the name of those weapons without, and this kind of goes into the the idea of how do we read these, in what order do we read these? 
you know, because we have multiple entries. So is there a particular timeline, a linear progression that we should be reading them in? And mm-hmm. so when I look at those particular cards, I can't help but think of it as a judicial process. Mm-hmm. And this kind of ties back into my very extensive theory of the trials of Osiris and its tie into the trials of Maat from Egyptian mythology. And there's a lot of parallels between those two. But the trials of the nine also are literal trials. They are they are trying us to find out who's worthy, and they, they measure the worthiness on who goes flawless, which is very similar to what Osiris did. And, you know, even in uh, Egyptian mythology, that was what Ma'at did at the behest of Osiris. Um, and, you know, that, that was a very rigid process that ended in the Isle of Flames, which was ironically very similar to what Mercury was. But... The Trials of the Nine, like, if you look at the names of these weapons, you have the Prosecutor, the Adjudicator, the, um, a Swift Verdict, Judgment, the Long Walk, a Sudden Death, the End, um, and Relentless is also out there. So, like, I mean, judicial process thinking, you know, a possible, and this is just, this was just kind of me throwing ideas around, and it kind of just kept coming back around, is, like, if you read it, in order of a judicial process, it kind of would be like the prosecutor would be first, relentless would be second, then you get a swift verdict, the adjudicator, which is basically the person who announces the verdict, um, the judgment, a long walk, which anyone who's seen a green mile knows what this is going to, uh, mm-hmm. a sudden death, and the end. And that's that honestly, that's a summarization of mm, the basic concept of a judicial process. Um, so I, I, and I, I'm not saying that that's definitively, you know, the best way to read them or anything, but it just, it's something that just, it keeps nagging me for just the weapons and beard. What do you, what do you got? Oh, I was, uh, I was just going to say they, they forgot the best weapon of all. And that's after long walk off a short pier. That's coming. That's coming out. That's coming out later. It's actually a grenade launcher that rivals the colony. Oh God! (laughs) That that gun can go. (laughs) Are you? Are you? Are you? uh, Are you sure it wouldn't rival the fighting lion and and be and be terrible? You mean you mean the gun that you you punch people with? I really wish I would just punch somebody with it, to be honest. I think it would do more damage. I'm just glad it doesn't track you like the stupid colony one does. It should. No, it shouldn't. No, that it should. That gun drives me crazy. You don't... Anyway, that's my PvP rant for the oh, night. I forgot one. I forgot one. Is there a heavy machine oh. gun called the Appeal? Did I forget a weapon? Oh, God, why are you bringing up heavy machine guns? Did I forget a weapon? Oh, no, he's being facetious. Dan, see, I got all all excited because I saw heavy machine guns. I mean, there's season two guns. There there are four more guns from season two. There are. Darkest Before, Purpose, The Last Breath, and Cold Sweat. Those are the season two guns. But see, that still fits. That still fits, actually. Yeah, it does. Especially if the punishment... Sorry, sorry, go for it, Green. No, it's just the, I mean, if you're thinking about the the process of being judged, and the emissary talks about judging you at the spire, like, she talks about the process of, oh, maybe you can survive this. Judgment, judgment falls upon you like the night. 
perhaps you understand, not like the others. I mean, she talks about she is a judge. She says mm-hmm. that she is judgment or he, they are judgment. And I'm still not convinced that it's more than one emissary. I just think it's more than one instance of the same emissary. Oh, I, I totally agree. I totally agree with that. But, to uh, be honest. The the things that the emissary says at the, at the spire, are, these are the things that drive me crazy the most because it's the concept of you're breaking yourself down and proving yourself worthy. Like why would, why would we be getting guns that lead to our end concept wise by the name? If we are proving ourselves not to go to that end personally through the trials, but who says that it's our end, but you're getting rewarded with a, a line of thought of right no 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 but i mean the, but i mean why so okay all right i mean and and i get that and i and i i see where you're coming from but i guess my counterpoint is since we are the ones being given the guns who says it's not us that's going to be the firing squad if you would at the end for whoever is being judged as unworthy right and that might just be their intent for that whole thing i just and then, yes, Black Flag also ties into, you know, she is saying, welcome to the place where everything dies, yes. dot, 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 That's and I begins anew. I think that we are causing our own death as, just think of like, oh, just the death of the childhood and becoming the adult. It's a catalyst. A catalyst yeah, yeah, it's right. The trials is a crucible, but even more intense because you actually leave behind everything that was before. I, uh, I'm getting this big feeling while everything else is like, no pun intended on this one, but traveling through the universe, uh, I feel like the nine are this traveling judgmental si- or judicial system mm-hmm. at this point now. Like the, the more that we're, we're sitting here talking about it. Well, and that kind of ties, that ties back into the concept that Bife was kind of mentioning when he was talking about the void lords as these like ethereal, um, not necessarily entities, but these ethereal things that are seeking balance. You know, you have Ulantan who's talking about the symmetry and, you know, the nat, the natural balance between light and dark and, and, you know, green, I like where you're going with the catalyst because that's, you know, again, kind of going back to the actual meaning of the word crucible. That's Mm -hmm. what it is. It's burning away the the waste it's yeah it's burning away the imperfections to get a stronger and more pure metal so it's literally baptized baptism by fire um and i i I mean yeah i i totally kind of think that that could be the direction that they're going with for the nine yep i could see it i mean if the nine are literally the balancing judges between light and dark because they have concepts of both on within them. I mean, look at the emissary. The emissary is both a light creature and a dark creature at the same mm-hmm. time. Oh, okay. Well, no, more. I mean, like, I would say they're more than a woke, right? Though. But, like, but the again, itself, so but going similar, right. But going off the play of the actual word awoken, mm-hmm. it is an individual, an entity that has been awoken. And that kind of goes back to what you guys were talking about at the, the top of the episode, you know, about why, why it appears to be a feminine figure. 
um, mm-hmm. you know, going kind of kind of taking a look at actual, you know, in reality, religious artifacts and religious caricatures of angelic beings, especially within Christianity, all of those beings, if they're if they're not cherubs, which are their own special case and oddities, um, but most of those beings are very androgynous. Like they're mm-hmm. they're not they're neither male nor female, and they're described as such. They're not they're they're neither. Um, but if you look at their faces, they're much more delicate. You see this also with like Tolkien elves or any elves really. They're these ethereal, beautiful creatures that are really kind of not really either, but they're always a little bit more feminine. Like, and it's right. not, it's, I, I don't mean that as a negative. It's, it's that the feminine figure on, especially within the face is seen as more otherworldly. It's generally not, you know, the, the, the ruggedness of, well, okay, let's talk about just real quick, uh, fantasy, fantasy races. If you look at the difference between an elf and a dwarf, uh, if you look at the faces, the dwarves are going to have much more masculine faces. Even the gender, the females dwarves are going to have much more masculine faces. The elves are going to have more feminine figures. And that's just always is. Yes. And we never trust an elf ever. It's the, it's the concept (laughs) of symmetry. Right. Yeah. Thank you. That's yeah. That's what I'm trying to say is like that idea is just, that's always kind of been there. So like Mm -hmm. to me, I think that I think, and I don't mean that kind of tongue in cheek about the Awoken. I think it literally is a nod to the fact that that emissary is awoken to what the nine are. They have been awoken to the reality of what they're what they're serving. Beard. Uh, just a, additional examples. Look at uh, Michelangelo's works with uh, right, right, yeah. with what he did in the Sistine Chapel, so on. Mm-hmm. Um, with uh, especially with like angel figures of like Gabriel or Michael. They're they're stern figures, but they're ones that are still like gentle and not as demeaning. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. I think that there there are other good examples of like what we would uh, kind of showcase back to it as like the it, it, we, we joke how you know J- Japan is all about the the androgyny, but honestly, the Renaissance was all oh, about it. yeah, like I mean, it, there's it, so that much was all it. over the place. Yeah, well, it's the yin and, and yang, mm-hmm. and it, and it's funny with the way that all of that goes together because the uh, us ripping ourselves and I, I find this funny to to look at it like this but the the idea of uh you know the dark ages pulling ourselves from the dark ages and going to the renaissance all of a sudden we go to this this idea of like ed- educating ourselves almost all over again or like revaluing everything that we see so this this idea of balance as we're as we're saying with the yin and yang and so on all of a sudden we're we're kind of like building to this this different we're, we're rebuilding these concepts that we've had for ages and most of them were born in in the same measure as how it was with the original renaissance so, so, the, I, so I just the, find that the guardians are the irish yeah really <laughs> i guess that's why they like to get drunk <laughs> oh my. Just Cade. I'm sorry. Sorry. You you're talking about the dark ages and, you know, the the education coming out of the dark ages and right. that's where my brain went. I wondered how you got there. 
uh, the <laughs> Irish save civilization. I'm like, I'm I'm not I even Irish, that. and I will give them the credit I for that. that. And it wasn't just the potatoes. <laughs> well, the potatoes <laughs> had a bit to do with it. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. The his- if anyone's interested, the history of that entire like process is really actually very fascinating. Um, yeah, but I we won't we won't we... get into that. To kind of wrap up the whole concept of creating a balance or creating an understanding of yourself, mm-hmm. the the final lines in the what was, was Black Flag mentioned it earlier the relentless entry, mm-hmm. and yet who dies more than they do? None. Only when they accept us can they be born anew, be relentless. It's the us being okay. And accepting our own, what we are, because we're constantly fighting. We're constantly trying to find out who we are. What is our history? We're trying to just continually try to live. And when you can finally accept it, then you can really, truly be relentless. And you know, are you saying that we're going to be the dark sky? Is is that what's going on here? (laughs) (laughs) I like where you're going with that. Um, Oh, man. Uh, I just lost where I was going because I like that connection. No. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, to kind of to kind of take that into a little bit of a deeper, you know, kind of conversation, going back to the articles that I'm writing about the psychology, um, that's that's really ultimately, you know, not to get too meta, but that that's really ultimately the question of human existence is what are we? what are we here for? What's what, you know, what is the purpose? What is my purpose? Um, and excuse me, that's, that's actually kind of the interesting connection that any, any well done game, in my opinion, really kind of ties into ultimately, because it's a, it's a question that hopefully everyone can answer. And, you know, sadly, everyone usually there's, there's a lot of people who don't answer it. Um, and you know, psychologically there's, there's a lot of conversation to have on that, but the idea of, you know, accepting who you are and, and not just accepting it, but making that acceptance allow you to be relentless and to, to take a plunge and really, you know, in not just accept, but embrace who you are is it's not just something for guardians. It's, it's something for, it's a human question, which kind of ties back into, you know, the whole thing of like, are guardians human? Are they, are they part of humanity? And in this regard, yeah, they are because in the same sense that a human spends their entire life, albeit a much shorter life than a guardians or, you know, even a golden age human who's got a triple lifespan. All that means is that they have longer to question. It doesn't necessarily mean that they have a better answer. You know, you you watch, you look through mythology, and this kind of ties back also to the concept of the echoes in mythology. A very common trope is the the this quest. You know, uh, Campbell calls it the hero's journey. There are many others who who have different terms for it, and you know, it's a very debated topic in literary criticism. But the idea still is at the base of it. It's the question. What is what is the point of life? What is what are we here for? Um, what am I here for? You know, to be to make it even more personal, and it's it's actually to me kind of reassuring that even these super powerful guardians 
have this question. You know, it, it's like reading your favorite comic book hero and seeing and, and comics have gotten much, much better at this recently. Um, but seeing that, you know, it's OK to struggle with these things like I, I and I don't mean to get too deep with that, but it, it's it's kind of for me, that's actually kind of the really cool thing about this entire conversation. Mm-hmm. Green, Can I, know I you said, yeah, go, yeah. Go, for it, go for it. I just want to like Vuru brings up the concept of sword logic and it's really easy to dive into sword logic because sword logic Mm -hmm. is super applicable to a lot of things. But what we go through for the trials is not sword logic in any way, shape or form because in sword logic, Mm -hmm. you continually kill to sharpen this, the stone in the trials, you have to work together as a team and you can die and be revived and you have to, adjust constantly like the idea of constantly killing you can't you can't be flexible you can't die because that doesn't sharpen the blade with trials each death you learn from you adjust it's one of the it's not i can't assign sword logic to the trials because i don't think they're equated equitable you adapt Mm -hmm. sort so this kind of ties into another article that I kind of want to, I'm hopefully going to probably get a chance to write after I get done with this next one on the dichotomies, but the difference between the darkness and the light is actually very, you you can kind of see this in the the presentation of the hive as vampires. Um, The vampire mythology uh, or the vampire mythos, uh, I guess at its core is actually talking about natural abominations. Um, a natural progression of life requires evolution uh, and adaptation, which basically equates into change. Uh, the hive don't really have that. And vampires especially don't have that. They, they are eternally locked into the same state, which is kind of their curse, is they have been put outside of it. That's why they are considered unnatural. Um, and this, that's kind of the same thing as the sword logic. They, they basically cheat life they cheat nature to to allow themselves to win and what green is actually pointing out and i i'm a hundred percent agreeing with is that's that is the definition of the difference between what sword logic is and what darwinism is um it's the argument between egocentricism and allocentricism uh and and so okay so so to back up a little bit on those egocentricism is the idea that i am above everything else it's the it's the the ego above all allocentricism is the idea that others are before me it's the group above the self so green yeah green you're you're saying that in chat right now sorry um green is saying that sword logic is all about perfecting the self perfecting me Whereas trials and the crucible and most of the guardian PVP things that we see in game are all about the pack, the group, the group adapting, the pack getting stronger because, you know, as a wolf pack, we take down, you know, this is, this is kind of similar to what I was talking about in the King's fall episode way back when. Yeah. Oryx is a great big lion. He's a number one apex predator, but you know what? It doesn't matter because against a pack of wolves, he doesn't have enough. He doesn't have enough support. A pack of wolves can take down a, a huge predator. They do it all the time, and it's because they divide and conquer. And that's that's the strength of the pack is that you have a multitude of fronts that you can attack from. 
you can be an apex predator. And if you're up against a human, you know, well, humans travel in packs. We're not the strong. I mean, sorry to break it to anybody who is misguided here, but you're not the strongest person. You're not the strongest animal on the planet. You know, it's just, you're not, you're very weak. You don't have, you don't have natural protection that some animals do, but we have opposable thumbs, you know, yay, opposable thumbs. And also we travel in groups. So, and then actually I, I really agreed if you're okay, do you, did you want to wrap anything of that or? Oh no, just me continuing to. Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Things. I just wanted to make sure I, cause I actually nope. really like what Beard's black. Got something though. I really like, okay, Beard, what did, what did you have? Um, I was honestly just going to be boring and tie it back to the loot because the nine don't have a sword. Yeah, However, no, I can I can know of and point out one. That's other. really funny, actually. I didn't even Isn't I did it? not even catch that. That's that's awesome. Yep. That was that was one of the things that I actually used as like one of my my tipping points. They are one of the only factions in the entire game that do not showcase that they have a sword in any logical way. And meanwhile, we look at the uh and I, and I say faction, but I mean the tower as a whole is now developing mm-hmm. swords. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we look at Callus. Callus has a sword, and it's called It Stared Back, for God's sake. Mm-hmm. It is, like, legitimately talking about the instance of it looking into the void. So, yeah. The the idea that they... I, I would really point it more as, like, a raid is the idea of sword logic quite a bit more to the adaptation and idea of a trial with mm-hmm. the nine because where a raid when you die and the whole t- uh, squad dies darkness has consumed you you're done versus what happens with the uh trials where you can get pulled back into it and it's fine like no harm no foul just learn from what you did sorry chat chats chats throwing in before oh, no. season three introduces a trial sword <laughs> yeah really <laughs> <laughs> sorry that's for, really for now Ver, i'm on Veru, thing I'm Veru and black flag are both throwing that into chat that's funny yeah um but that's... no black black flag actually made a comment earlier and i, I kind of wanted to go back to that real quick uh he said you know also think about what happens when we as mortals come to grips with our own mortality we become in a way enlightened and fearless we become relentless you know i mean if you think about it that's that is that is kind of what again going back to kind of that that conversation, that statement that I was making earlier, that is kind of what they're talking about is come to terms with what you are. It's Your guard, you know, point of D2. Right. Yeah. yeah, no, it is. It's re it's, it it's rediscovery. It's discovering. And I, I've, I've said this a couple of times. Destiny one story was all about building the world. Destiny two story is all about putting the people in the world. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of, to me at least, and this is just my, again, just my personal opinion, that's kind of how I've come to peace with a lot of like some of the inconsistencies that we've argued about, um, mm-hmm. you know, and that I've seen a lot of people argue about. I, I think that is the emphasis on those inconsistencies is also kind of driving the realism of the game world into everyone who's experiencing it in my, right. in that, and again, just, just my opinion, you know, and that's just kind of how I've come to terms with it. So but yeah, I don't really have anything. I will, like I said, I'm going to link Bice video. I will try to find the playlist for Beard, apparently. 
I probably should put that in a playlist. That would make a lot of sense. Yeah, it's not easy to find uh, each of them because you also don't have numbers on any other titles. So you have to start listening a really to really good. Point. <laughs> I mean, I started listening to one of them that had the dragon, and the very first line is, "Wait, stop! This is the second one. Go back to the first one. You Go missed back. it." I was like, "Wait, which one's the first one? I have no idea what order this is." <laughs> I wow. I mean, at least yeah, at least that's... he at least he gave you a warning. <laughs> yes. I yes. mean, I I have all all four of them where I'm like, hey, if you missed the last three of them, the links are here just to mm-hmm. make it super simple for you. But yeah, I should probably just put it in a freaking playlist. Uh, that was actually the entire idea behind putting them all into one video. Mm-hmm. But some people actually said that they enjoyed the transitionary material uh, a little bit more. And it was impossible for me to include that transitionary material into the final, like, 45-minute long episode. Like, there is no way I could have. Uh, yeah. If you are able to watch it in its entirety, it is almost about an hour uh, long it is uh, apparently better viewed that way, so many have said. Um, I don't know. Watching it myself, I I can kind of see both ways is fine. But uh, yes, I will I will make a a playlist about that probably when we're done the show, and I'll get you the link for that. Cool. Uh, I have several million other points that I could go ahead and add for the nine, but I. Uh, I, I think before we make this a six hour long podcast, I won't even start talking. I think you should make never mind, I'm just not gonna I'm not gonna poke that. If you that. say a fifth video of a nine, <laughs> no, I, I was gonna say to God. I, I was gonna say I think you should make a separate channel for that. Who's <laughs> 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 the one who actually has the soundboard everybody if you haven't figured that out that's why he it was perfectly timed on the was... soundboard <laughs> while he was saying that because he wanted to poke the bear <laughs> we do have a dispatch though oh we way. do go for it mm-hmm. hang on let me let me cue that up dispatch is received from the wilds so the dispatch we actually have is a guy in chat right now and he messaged me earlier and i thought it was a pretty decent dispatch uh, Black Flag, he asked earlier today on Twitter, do you believe it's possible the nine are interdimensional deities that only interact with the most crucial beings of the solar system, such as Osiris, Eris, Marasov, and us? I think part of that's accurate. I see where it's going. I Yeah, I do. I, 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 I think the first part is accurate. I, of course, I'm going to say that. That ties back to like the the, the void dimensional idea for sure. What's that? The void lords. I, I mean, like, yeah, it, I, I think we could probably spend a time. We could spend a bit of time splitting the hairs on what you mean by mm-hmm. deities. Yeah, um, it's like that's where I tend to buck against because I have a hard well, time. Well, but I mean, feeling because right. every god that we have come up against is not infallible. Well, and this, this yeah, and, goes okay, along go with for the idea here. that like a. A uh, when when a tree falls in the forest, does it still make a sound? You know this this concept has been widely uh, widely argued for you know how long overall, and the correct answer realistically is yes. Uh, the 
the non-existence of what what we perceive as there is no thing does not mean that that thing does not exist. If that if that statement makes any sense at all, mm-hmm. uh, D- just because someone's the, not there to perceive it doesn't mean that something to be perceived doesn't happen. Correct. Mm-hmm. This is the entire idea behind science and the further attributes of science and why the community as a whole is pretty wide and open. It is to allow more people in to test theory, to practice theorem, to try and prove things wrong, to prove them right or otherwise. These are the things that we end up finding, like like dark matter. We had no idea that it was an exact concept or science until we ended up having some means of somewhat tracking it. And, and they can, were still, you could see it. You could see it. I found it. Right. They have, they have proof. It's on science.com. Yep. I oh, that's say like where the, they, and, that's like the gravitational and, waves thing that I was re, I was listening to earlier. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and those things are now like you, what, what is one of the best examples of it? Actually, I can't remember the, the star system, but there's a, a larger star that's there, and then you have another star that ended up collapsing in on itself, that formed itself into being a black hole or pretty similar to it. This uh, collapsed star is now pulling energy from the other sun, but mm. nobody without the proper equipment was able to see that this star was basically being like pulled apart at one scene, and now we ended up realizing that, oh, this is a binary star system. And it's because the other system was like moving it around. I think that's one of the best examples of just because we think that there's only one star in a system or one thing that's there doesn't mean that others couldn't exist. I will point at Tatooine as one of our favorite ideas of more than a single sun that would end up existing, even if it is just a popular fiction. Mm-hmm. But that whole concept is something that wasn't going to be born unless we found it. And we did. We, we constantly explore and at our, our nature as human beings. I mean, exploration is a, a big thing for us. Mm-hmm. So for us to continue to look into everything, to continue to expand our horizons is in our nature. So to say that, and my entire reasoning for this entire this is really long-winded for my point. Uh, <laughs> actually, that's nothing new. Why it's am like, I even saying that? Um, it's like we're par for the course so far, dude. <laughs> it pretty much is. Uh, we we have no evidence that supports, at least per right now, in the Destiny lore or mythos that would suggest the positive existence of void beings or anything that could travel between these existences seamlessly this way we have theorem we now need to prove that theorem or we now need to get additional Mm -hmm. information behind it uh and that's that's again that's just in our nature that's just in the way that uh you know human beings are and be it human awoken exo we are all of the same kind of mind and same kind of focus that we are explorers be that in science, be that to different planets, be that to the bottom of the ocean, whatever mm-hmm. it may be, whatever it b- would be that we want to take ourselves to. Yeah. That is in our nature to continue to learn and continue to view things. Eventually, we may end up getting it to the key point that we can see these void lords or whatever they may be. 
but the the concept of possibility i don't think should be pushed away that there is something that because obviously there's something that's watching us otherwise and being able to view us it would be pretty easy to explain it all away as just being like i've been there since the beginning i've been following your travel since day one i just never had to get involved well i don't think we had their attentions from day one but we do have their attentions now maybe maybe i should state it as their attention maybe the moment that we ended up doing what we did in the black garden because that's a pivotal point of course within everything within uh destiny's mythos for sure like that opens up a larger mm-hmm. world for for the entirety of what we have. So I, I think at least that part where the traveler is finally able to start to heal itself. Now we're a little bit more interesting. The nice thing is there's so much to speculate on the nine. Like for as little of information we actually have from them. I think I could do another two hour podcast on this. One hour of full content on a YouTube channel where I just yammer. Yes, there's plenty. There's plenty to talk about. I mean, you know, the the other concepts or a couple concepts. I've I've talked about the Ahamkara a little bit off and on. I haven't gone into my full theories on that. Uh, I haven't gone into my ideas that the black hole that we actually go to, because, yes, it is a black hole. Yay, he said it! It is is not... she was it, waiting it, it for that door to open. Huh? Oh, huh? I know. <laughs> I, I bugged him about this last night. Well, and it's still problematic. I totally agree with you. It's problematic, but yeah. it's totally a black hole. It, it, it is a black hole. And there, there's been a lot of people that have also been uh, speculating that is a, a similar concept to a wormhole. Mm-hmm. I want to debunk that real fast right now. Wormholes mm-hmm. don't have that much space junk around them. <laughs> Thank you. They con- uh, I can tell you the reason they got that concept is because it's an older theory with black holes that once you reach the center, there was a possible folding of dimensions and that it was right. a possibility to use it like a wormhole. Well, and that's where it, it's, it's still actually speculated that way as like many thought experiments. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happens when you come up to the event horizon of a black hole? Will so, it end up sending you to different areas? Will you I'll actually see what's there? In that's, the su- that's, that's, that's that's the, the, that's the challenge. That, that, that is that is I'll, a challenge. That's I'll, not I'll even link, a challenge. You can't get there. Yeah, I'll link. It I'll is link a the challenge. Te- I'll link the TED talk that I actually listened to about that because there there is an entire like five minute segment yeah. where one of the astrophysicists is actually explaining why that's not physically possible. Like mm-hmm. it it it's. It's a fun thought experiment, but it's it's not po- like you're talking about. Really, yeah, you're talking about a thing that even something like light can't escape from. <laughs> you're you're not uh, gonna. You're, dense. Yeah, closer you're, it gets. Yeah, you're not going to. Yeah, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> a really good so, book on that, if you if you want to do a book instead, is uh, "Elegant Universe" by Brian Greene. Highly recommend that one. It's an older one, but yeah, it's it's still applicable. So following along with the, uh, which kind of goes along with my shout outs, but I'll uh, I'll do this one completely apart from everything uh, early. Following along with the uh, passing of Stephen Hawking, mm-hmm. uh, 2015 JPL uh, Jet Propulsion Lab had viewed a uh, one of our closer black holes 
as expending light, sending mm-hmm. light out of it. So they had a special the, I, name for it too. Like yeah, I'm going to say they. Yeah, I'm going to say I forget the actual name itself, but yeah, they've they've added some. Uh, they had, Haw- Hawking's radiation. I think they even like popped to it because he had that thought too that there were some means that like light could pop from it for some reason heretofore not understood. Uh, But there is seemingly something that can escape from it or react within a black hole that causes it to go poof and it it escapes in this large funnel that had only up until now been showcased as uh, artist's rendition, Mm -hmm. but apparently has been caught through like past past Uh, light through telescopes and everything. It's uh, kind of other items. Yeah, and then that again, TED Talk that I'll link. Um, yeah, the first one that speaks to it, I think, is one of the theoretical physicists. Uh, he is talking about gravity. I've mentioned it a couple times the gravitational waves. Uh, mm-hmm. Gravitational waves, like basically, it it's what they use now to prove the existence of supermassive black holes and yeah. all these different things that technically are invisible. Um, they're not invisible if you use gravitational displacement to monitor them because they are so massive that that, that is actually, it's not so much that it's like for gravitational waves. It's not so much that it's escaping and I'm using air quotes here. It's not that it's escaping. It's what was he, he explained it. Can I, can I, can I make it it. easier? Okay. So remember the solar eclipse, Mm -hmm. it functions much like the solar eclipse when this, when the everything went when the moon went in front of the sun it blocked out all the light but you still saw light it's because light can bend around it same Mm -hmm. thing happens when the gravitational waves get disturbed it can still bend it warps space and time he he explained it like the so if you imagine the universe as a body of water as the ocean you'll notice that the ocean is never still there's always ripples going on. And so if you imagine gravitational waves as if those, as if the ripples are the gravitational waves, that's how you perceive things. So everything, no matter what it does is creating ripples, like just moving your hand, you are creating a gravitational wave. Now, Albie, it's very small, right? Just being there, there is, I mean, you can get down to the point where you're talking about the vibration of individual entities, like the cells Mm -hmm. will vibrate at a certain frequency. Um, Mm -hmm. But those produce gravitational waves. And that is actually, they have designed this like immensely complex tube basically that monitors those gravitational waves. And they've like, this is just blows my brain. Um, They can calculate based off the gravitational waves that they monitor, what is going on out there in, you know, these quote unquote unknown spaces that we have yet to explore or even be able to see, we can now see them in in the scope of gravitational waves. It's really actually like it's, if you have an hour, a, if you have an hour, I really yeah, strongly recommend at least really listening good. to this TED talk because I don't like you, Green can back me up on this. I don't really have a lot of interest in this stuff, and I love it. I, I couldn't stop. Like I turned on this TED talk and I was like, I'll listen to this because I'm sure Green's going to bug me if I don't know at least something. Um. I couldn't, I, I mean, I couldn't put it down. It was a really well done talk. Um, and it's just nice an hour. 
gravitational waves is a fairly recent um, yes it's proven theory three that have, two or three years i think not even like, oh i think they got well, a, they got on. the first instance of it happened two or three years ago but yeah they had that's another what sorry that happened within the last year it took a while to find another instance of it to mm-hmm. actually back up what. Oh, okay. Because I was like, the, that, the, that was the problem. Maybe, maybe mm-hmm. that was what he was. That's probably why he was labeled a theorist, theoretical yeah. physicist, right? At the time, well, you're still everyone, right? Still true, true. But I think the TED talk. It's called "Peering Deeper into Space." Uh, mm-hmm. It's from TED Radio Hour, uh, and I'll, I'll link this all into the show notes. But um, yeah, they they were talking about this being like the the cutting edge and so and i think this was like a year or two um hmm. radio so but yes do you guys i mean i i will totally stay and talk for hours about black holes but do you want to do shout outs well just to to finish up my entire thought oh yes sorry process on all of that um as much as i there there are two laced possibilities that kind of fall back on this black hole that we see. Now, one, we do see that Sabathun is able to apparently travel through it in the Books of Sorrow, which, you know, we're, we're still questioning the validity of to begin with. But secondarily, I'm still wondering where that black hole is, how we got to it, and how it's not affecting our system in any way if it happens to be intersystem because if there is one anywhere close to but black holes don't they necessarily tend, they tend to mess move. things up yeah they they also don't tend to necessarily move through space too much mm, mm-hmm. they're like everything is in a constant rotation this this much is very true but they tend to stay within a, a singular place, if that makes a little bit of sense, Everything within a comes system, to them. basically. And if we had something uh, inside of a inside our solar system uh, as a black hole, and it was further out, let's say, like you know, even like Neptune, Uranus, Pluto areas. Uh, it's going to cause a whole heck of a lot of problems, and we're probably never going to visit those planetary areas ever again. Uh, it would completely screw up their orbits and entirely mess everything. Uh, so it is either terrible science on the part of Bungie, or makes no not, sense. What's that? Or they're not actually having us go to a physical place, like my yes. mind trip comment that I made to you last night. Which ties back to my concepts on the Ahamkara and how they are excellent at manipulation. Or we're not even in the same universe at that point, and that we somehow did go through a wormhole that magically opened up, which is a quantum physics is a possibility, but a very, very, very slim possibility. Well, and there is something else that kind of ties back to the the anguish of Dreisten, where we're talking about the lost first fleet out at at, at Saturn. Mm -hmm. And I will I will fully acknowledge that I have understood that NASA thought originally there was a black hole or something like it around uh, Saturn, and that is actually what caused the weird storms that actually form within the uh, stratosphere of Saturn. Uh, 
I, I am fully prepared to go ahead and admit that I fell back on that idea and that that may be where we're like shooting through and getting out to this unknown area of space again. But there's there's nothing that purports that that's actually the case. The other thing uh, is, is I, I kind of agree with her and Chad on this one. It's mm-hmm. it opens up only when we win a, a match in trials. Yeah. So it is more like a pocket dimension that opens up specifically for that, that just looks like a, which if a pocket dimension would open up, it would look like a black hole. Cause it would, would have, it? So, it would, cause it would have to have so much energy. It would, it would function much like a black hole would. So it's kind of like a door. It's like <laughs> a door. But it's- we just see so many other pocket dimensions that exist, however, within what Destiny is, and none of them look like that. But That's my the, biggest the, problem. The thing with going into those other dimensions, the Ascendant Realm, and going through the Vex networks and stuff like that, they still have a circular, highly, highly energetic portal. The They're thing also... Is- controlled the by the the, right. the sword logic or by a gate system meanwhile i see no sword. Well, what technology is holding that thing together with if the, we're going, going to constitute if yeah because mm-hmm. if we're going to constitute it as a black hole and we're also going to as an aside also constitute it as a portal or door it can't be one or the other unless the concept or an idea that savathun passing through this thing is actually a black hole and it does hold weight that is the only means that it could hold true secondarily we do not only go to like palace's place or forget what the map is for the trials mm-hmm. we've had two maps that do exist at least Emperor's that are within spike. yes um the uh the other one, though, for, for the trials map, that one exists within this field and this mm-hmm. this plane and the, 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 the gravity well or right. black hole, whatever it is. So it isn't just when we win. That's where I'm really having this hard time thinking that this thing even exists and that it isn't. So- I, I will go back to the Matrix on this concept and idea every single day of the week. It's By the, the way, idea. Yeah, sorry. This is just for those of you at home. This is actually what Beard and I were fighting about last night. And I actually went to bed really angry at him and woke up really angry at him for this whole concept because I still believe it's possible, even though he really doesn't. And we're going to probably consistently be at each other with this. This this one is never going to end well, I have a feeling. No, Um, I will go back to the Matrix, though, every time with this kind of thought, because it's just what uh, what Morpheus says to to Neo, basically, free your mind. And it isn't until Neo basically opens up his mind enough that he can actually like start to perceive and understand that his body can his his mind can Mm -hmm. basically do more than his body can, because we're not told that all of a sudden it's only our minds that are locked within these trial spaces. Uh, this is the kind of stuff that I'm, I'm looking at it on uh, at least some basic concept to say that, yes, we are, uh, we are going to a place, but I think we're hovering there and basically like totally pulling uh, good grief. Now I'm losing my train of thought because I'm like getting, 
getting too flustered about this one. Um, the it, it's the simple idea that we are are basically not told that we are stuck in a place, and because of that, we perceive that the body that we have is just that it's it's our typical body that we're used to having meanwhile we're knocked out still floating in space somewhere for the little while that it takes for us to do the trial or whatever and all they're doing is judging us based on our actions from previously but they're able to allow us to have a temporary body quote-unquote that allows us to do this stuff i i I really, really, really have a hard time believing that the the black hole itself is real. I think that the nine are real. I just don't think that the trials are in any way held in the way that they are. Because again, a black hole that close in our system, big problem. The closest system that could possibly be is 3,000 light years out. And even then, the next closest black hole is 30,000 light years out. We only have NLS travel. Near light speed does not take you that fast. There is nothing that purports that we go faster than near light speed. That is the biggest issue right now where I can say it's either terrible, uh, terrible science, it doesn't take the ideas of distance into effect, or doesn't think that we can go ahead and, uh, or, or thinks that something happened within our solar system that the traveler affected that much that black holes have no effect on, 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 on the solar system. Like, uh, Take a breath. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm just rambling on and on, but like I'm, it's, I have yeah. 20 ways to Sunday. In which case, that I'm like, no. <laughs> so basically, Beer just explained the entire concept of Voltron and the Black Lion testing Shiro. Uh, for any of you, any of you at home that are doing what I'm doing and just taking spark notes of this conversation. He also he also just got done explaining astral projection inside of a psychomutable netherverse. But for those of you who <laughs> want to talk about cartoons, this was Voltron 101. Also, yeah. just FYI, I agree with Beard that that's not a real black hole. I think it just looks like a black hole. Well, so it's like so it's like a keyhole. Yeah, like a door. No, I mean like a keyhole. Like Osiris was looking. Never mind. Wait, yeah, wait. No. So it's like a one one three. Yep, yep, there hey. you go. Yeah, okay, we should wrap up right there. Cut the tape. I think that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> this was a TED Talk on Destiny 2. Oh my god. Join us next week on... episode we've had in a while. Yeah. <laughs> so, final shout-outs, guys. What do, you, what do you got? I don't know which one of you I should let go first. Do you promise Dude. not to argue with each other? You may go first. All right. Continuing on with my uh, with my shout out from earlier. Yes, uh, the great Stephen Hawking has passed uh, this week. Uh, incredible loss to mankind. However, one that happened fifty two years mm-hmm. after his original prognosis, and so mm-hmm. on. Uh, he is a fantastic example of how you can wake up in the morning, look at yourself, understand that you've got a full working body go out and do something and not let it get you down and i know that that is i'll say firsthand not always going to be easy to do but i cannot imagine that every day was easy for that man to approach so if you if you ever need somebody else to kind of look back on over history or otherwise 
Uh, he is not not just for the works that he did for mankind, not just for the thoughts that he had to inspire generations worth of scientists at this point, but just to sit back and look at what he's done, considering his condition, considering he was in a wheelchair for how long. Uh, you, you knew I was going to bring him up at some point. Like, you knew it. But he is somebody that uh, I it, it hit me very, very hard this week uh, that he had passed. And again, I don't think it was so much that he had passed because he had such an amazing life uh, for for what he had done for humanity. But like what more he could have offered is is more what kind of gets to me. It's the the same realm as things like Carl Sagan or mm-hmm. Einstein mm-hmm. of, of Newton or others. Like most, most of those that I can think of were taken from us at rather younger ages. And what, Mr. Hawking was 76. What uh, he, was amazing. Looked, yeah. Just to kind of tie in with yours and his Hawking is actually one of the most easily read physics books. He's yes. an excellent writer because if you are not, I like science. I I love science. I love astrophysics. I love physics in general. I am not good with the math. You hand me mm-hmm. a bunch of equations and I, I can figure them out, but I'm going to get really bored with reading the book. The way that Stephen Hawking wrote all of his books, A Brief History of Time, mm-hmm. um, The Universe in a Nutshell, there's so many. And they're not super long. They're no. well-written and they're thought experiments, much in the same way that Einstein did his books as thought experiments, so that anybody with just any kind of sense of logic can understand. He was one of the best at doing that. Now, say between him and Sagan, both of them were the best, uh, at least in my opinion, with uh, with Neil deGrasse Tyson pretty well right there, too, as like some... and and. And Bill Nye, I know some don't necessarily Brian like Green. bringing up his. Yes, mm-hmm. Brian Greene's another good one. Um, but these guys are incredible, uh, incredible relators and and projectors of the scientific community uh, to at least get people interested and thinking. And that is more than I can say for a lot of industries that are out there today. So good on them. Uh, and Mr. Hawking, you will very much be missed. Uh, honestly, I think that's, I, I don't have another shout out. That's going to, it's going to follow that one. Like Hawking was, like I said, I, I think between that and, um, and, and uh, of the past several years here, Leonard Nimoy, both, both of those deaths hit me very hard for different reasons. Even right now I'm having a hard time not choking. Um, but that was, uh, they, they were both. Just, just Hawking going going the way that he did was 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 a good time for him. Uh, he he got everything at least that I had heard done that that he wanted to do. So it was good on him. He will be very missed. Yeah, and to be to kind of follow up on that too. The other thing to remember with that is that his original prognosis was two years. Right. Yeah. And that was back in 76? No, right? I don't know what year. I, I mean, it's, I mean he, he, let's just say this. He beat it. Yeah, uh, he, he made that, he, he made, he made, he made that, that look like. Yeah, he made that doctor look like an idiot. 
So. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say I, I would use a few choice words, but yeah, he, he punched the, he punched the absolute hell out of that, that target. He, uh, just, just so, so impressive what he did considering his condition, just so impressive. And it, he never let it like seemingly get to him overall. He was still one of my, my favorite interviews with him was with, uh, John Oliver. Oh yeah, and, <laughs> huh. he, he was funny too. Oh my gosh, oh he my was God, so he? good mm-hmm. at like turning <sighs> phrases. Yes, and one one of like the the I think bigger key phrases that are like actually pulled from uh, that interview. John Oliver uh, asks uh, uh, Stephen Hawking, "So are you telling me that there's <laughs> an alternate universe?" that exists where I'm smarter than you and Hawking like deadpan, of course, in, in the way that he has to through the computerized voice, which I think makes the delivery even funnier goes. Yes. There's also one where you're actually funny. <laughs> I just, ah, uh, it was, it was perfect. All the zingers. All the singers. And, and I, I think that that interview, even if it is something where it's like he he summoned up all the energy, the energy that he had, that was enough for me to to kind of say, well, I thought I knew the man through his writings, but to hear him like speaking there in the live and then to see him like smile and grin at John Oliver and for both of them to laugh at the comment was just wonderful you know that that should say everything about the uh determination of the man and should say everything about like how uh how he can affect how he effectively holds himself like i i i don't have any other words for like how impressed i am by his by his life man i am not gonna be able to follow that shout out mine's to my hairdresser (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> hey man good hair makes you feel good so how yeah, about I, you go treat yourself i got my hair cut today and she was giving me grief about being on a podcast and i told her i would totally shout her out in my podcast so Suk, thank you <laughs> awkward times okay blue blue your turn <laughs> well just real quick we do have next week's topic is going to be a lore debate on the faction wars so we talked about that at the top of the episode. Uh, big shout out to OGZ for uh, the sub earlier today or earlier this show. Thank you so much again for that. Um, we really appreciate all this, the support that you guys give us over on Twitch and on Podbean. Actually, if you want to check that out again, uh, either visit the Twitch page or visit our website. There is a support tab specifically for that. Um we do also have a schedule change. I know I probably should have mentioned this at the top of the episode, but I completely forgot about it. I did make a big post over on the website for those who want more details on that. Nothing big really is going on. We're just shifting the uh, extra lore 
and the first week schedule for each month, uh, just to kind of allow for a little bit more flexibility for those of us who are doing the podcast. Uh, in We're trying light to have of, a little bit more of a life, okay? Yeah, in light, in well, <laughs> it's it's more of in light of life being more demanding. <laughs> we have to, so um, yeah, there's that. But yeah, again, just huge shout out to all of you guys for for giving us support. Whether that is just through the comments that you guys give us, we really appreciate the feedback of all of you, whether it's positive, negative, you know, actually constructive criticism is the best thing that we can get because that's what helps us grow. So keep it coming. Um, but yeah, so definitely with all that, we're going to run through an outro and then I might stay on for a little bit, but I got to get up early tomorrow and drive eight hours. So we'll see. So let's go through the outro with that. We'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Links to all our other sites can also be found with our episode archives over on the new focusfirechat.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any questions or comments for our team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. Also, be sure to check out all of our amazing podcast partners within the Guardian Radio Network over on theguardiansofdestiny.com. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.